Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Scroll Podcast brought to you by the Adventure Archive. My name is Ryan. And I'm Hunter. And today we are going over Nova, the rules light sci-fi RPG where the sun has exploded and you fly exosuits called Sparks to uh, to save humanity. Uh, super fun game by Spencer Campbell at Gila RPGs. How are you doing this morning, Hunter? I'm doing so good. I'm very excited to go over this. The book looks really good. I'm bummed I don't have a physical, but look at this hardcover. The, the, just right off the bat, I got to say, the book is stunning. I'm so happy I got it in hardback. I think Spencer was talking about doing reprintings um, in softback next time. Very happy I got a hardback. Um, yeah, you'll good. see, oh man, you'll see in the PDF too. It's just like all the pages are black too. Like, it's just a really, we'll talk about it. It's a, it's a good looking we'll book. You know room. On this show, we're going to talk about this book. Let me tell you. On this show, right now, well, not quite yet, but yeah, <laughs> we, we will go over this. Um, and uh, at the end of the episode, there might be a little something extra, a little, little bonus, a little bonus out there um, wait to find that, that we'll get to. I'll probably announce a little bit about it um, halfway through the stream, so don't look at Twitter, Hunter. Um yeah so uh so yeah so, so that's where we're at today um i'm gonna stop yelling now i know i do this every time and i try to remind myself every time i don't know why i'm just here. projecting out of my face at the start of every podcast but this is this is a little bit better how's it going <clears throat> so um yeah, well, first up, yeah first up before we even get into kickstart the podcast which we normally start with um, a little bit of news that's no news to anybody in the TTRPG community. Um, old School Essentials. Oh, yeah. Have you all ever heard has, of Old School Essentials? Have you, all heard have of you OSC? ever heard of them? Have you ever heard of OSC? <laughs> Just oh, I think I covered them all up. Just opened Exalted Funeral ever. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all, there's this folder here. And then right next to it, that's all OSC. My only problem with, not problem with OSC, um, I already own all the books. So I don't really, so I don't really want to spend two hundred dollars in the box set, but they're gonna have like gold, gold stuff on so the boxes. Maybe I spend two hundred dollars in the box set. But that's not really the point of this conversation. So for those of you who don't know, um, OSC, yeah. which is Old School Essentials, has a project up on Kickstarter, and usually at Kickstart the podcast, and then we talk about these smaller projects that we like want to boost and that we really enjoy, and we both love OSC. It is in no way a small project, um, and really doesn't need our fucking boost. Um, but having said that, we still talk about it. It's still cool. Yeah. Like we're still into yeah. it. Here. I, let's, just take a, let's just take a, a, a quick peek at Cause this is kind of like the news section. This isn't, we're not really going to boost this project cause yeah. it's already back for over a, a half a million dollars with 27 <laughs> days to go. It um, made like 30 minutes or some shit. You know? Yeah. I, I would be shocked if it took more than 10 realistically, but here's a box set. It's really cool. I mean, OSC right now is basically the, the premium kind of like retro clone for, um, you know, uh, basic and, and advanced, you know, uh, the older versions of, of the world's most, um, marketed role-playing game. game. Yeah. Yeah. Did you uh, this? I didn't I already own all the books. I'm trying not to. That's what, that's what I was wondering. Cause I don't own all the books. Um, uh, and so I did back it. Ah, I gotcha. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about it. I know people that did back it, and I might, you know, throw some add-ons in with them for stuff that I don't have. But for the most part, again, like, I own every book in this box set. Like, so 
Yeah, I, that makes sense. I, I want it real bad, though. I want it real bad. So we'll see what happens. Maybe if I can get someone to buy all the books I currently have, I can put that money towards a box set. We'll see. But... Um, but yeah, again, this is just kind of news more than than anything. Yeah. We don't really need to. Uh, if you don't know this is happening, that's totally fine. But it is right. interesting that you know about our show, but you don't know this is happening because we are way less popular than this shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just a little bit. Just yeah. I'm not way less, you know. Um, I was gonna wear my necrotic <laughs> gnome shirt today too, but I, oh, I, nice. I didn't. No, but you're wearing um, you're wearing your exalted. I'm wearing my uh, oh. Scobby's Bake Shop. Oh, wrong wrong side. Oh, there you go. go. You know, got the you gotta get that bread. Yep, yep. So, uh, so that is that's what I was saying. Oh, the the bake shop. Get the bread. I yeah. I like that. Oh, I like that. That was good. Boom. That's nice. I like it. I like it. For those that, that didn't see in the podcast line, he stood up, turned around, and the back of the shirt says, let's get this bread. My bread. Um, my buddy has a bread company. I'm wearing a shirt today. It's very comfy, so that's why yeah. I'm wearing it. I'm glad we not put to all pl- those. Not to plug it on, my, on the podcast or VOD. Yeah. Oh, I see. Very cool. Um, yeah. I, I'm getting it because I don't own all the books. Um, so. Um, so then transitioning into our real kickstart the podcast uh yeah, this is our really? last week for zemo uh zine month all of those uh the projects that decided to continue on when um kickstarter fucked up and moved zine quest uh to later in the year for no reason and then try to fuck around with nfts so um one of the projects that i really wanted to talk about um is called uh Wasail. um two pages here for that uh, it looks really, really interesting. There's an itch page for the uh, download, and then there is a physical page um, to uh, get the book, which is really neat. So uh, getting into the download first, what this game is, um, is a game of hot spice drinks, ancient uh, trees, cardamancy, and ritual. Basically, um, you will prepare a flask of hot wassail, and head off into the forest at night to find the oldest tree. And while there, you will, will perform a ritual to bless the tree and discover the forest's innermost secrets. Um, and all you need is a deck of cards, the wassail that teaches you how to make, and a couple of people. Uh, and this sounds really fucking cool. I really, really it like... Sound cool. Sounds hella like weird es- I'm into it. Like esoteric shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and I love that. Right. I, I have a I actually have a Xena I got from Exalted Funeral called Esoteric. And actually like the entire it's just completely black on the outside. And you don't even get like a title page until you open it up. And it's just full of weird ritual kind of games that are like part like this and part like like um eyes wide shut kind of like I can yeah. see this in like a like a very weird group of friends who yeah. get a little too, you know. We might Can't play with your normal like game that. table. Yeah. Can't play with your uh, um, D table. You need your your no. weird art friend table for this. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a Christmas game. I think it's just about the oldest tree. Um. But it's only four dollars uh, for the digital version. Um. And it gives you both an EPUB and a PDF. I really like that. There is this trend going around. I don't know if it's how big it is yet in TTRPG community, but I know. Um. People like uh, like Chris Bissett are really pushing to have people have um, products that are more 
if you're going to do digital, make them more available in digital, do EPUB, do Mobi, yeah. do like things that are better for screen readers and things like that. So it's really cool that this oh, is yeah. an EPUB and PDF. Um, this is from James Chip, by the way. Um, and on their website, um, this is the cover art for it, I think. And it's, it's gorgeous. Um, and, uh, it actually has for eight, um, that's going to be pounds, not euros. No, that's euros. No, that's pounds. Um, you can get the, uh, right. You can get the print version of this. So, um, this is a pre-order funding thing on the website. Once it sells 26 copies, um, they'll make it and ship it, um, or they'll break even at 26 copies. Um, they've sold 21 so far. So how about five of us buy this? Shit, I got you. Yeah. No, I'm well, wait, I'm wait, right wait, now, wait, 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 wait. We'll just get two. Just so <laughs> we'll get two. So the shipping is is oh, okay. that's fair to one place because I can only imagine it going to one of us and then me shipping it to you or vice versa is cheaper than them shipping two packages Enjoy. from England. Yeah. Um, and plus better for the world, less packaging. Anyway, this looks really, really cool. Basically, um, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea what you do, except go play a, a, a ritual after making a cool drink. Um, and that's way more than enough for me. Yeah. Um, I'm okay. Like these, these the games that are not made to be played as like a continuous thing. And that you just have like a little weird experience every once in a while with like a weird group of friends. I'm really into that. I personally, I need a couple of weirder friends to play it with um yeah, because we need to look closer uh, yeah it's true my rock climber friends are maybe not the weirdest people in the world at the time they're very uh you know well it's a special kind of weird too to play shit like it this is. like it's, it's, it's the same kind of weird i would play this game with the same people i play kingdoms with yeah um yeah, yeah. it's like my but, uh, games. i have a hard time finding a crew for that you know oh yeah well yeah the, the feelings games because some people just feelings games they're oh not God, good I'm at their feelings cry, yeah. you know let's fucking do this um, anyway, so this is Wasale. I hope I'm saying that right. James Chip. Um, I don't. So the digital version is just up now and right. just go get that. But the print version is the funding pre-order situation uh, and is Very expected cool. to ship in May. So if, if it sale, if it sells a bunch like 75, it says um, they will push for more art and um, the artist for it. It says is a designer, illustrator, goth, druid, musician and craftsperson. And the zine is printed on black and white recycled paper. Um, so really, really cool. Um, definitely go check that out. Really excited to get this. Um, I want to talk to you about it for the same reason that if we both decided to get a print version that we could just do the shipping. Yeah. Um, good, so yeah. that will definitely be 23 by the end of the day. Um, so let's get, again, two more people get this and we get James Chip to break even on this cool game. Um, and that is Wasail for me. So you are up, sir. Cool. We're going to talk about Those Who Came Before um, by Kyle R. Maxwell. This is a supplement for uh, Into the Odd, a nice little uh, Mark of the Odd um, extension. And it is based on, um, it's, they take inspiration from Numenera by Monty Cook, which you might have heard me mention several times on this uh, podcast if you listen regularly, that Cypher system is a system that I really enjoy. Um, Numenera is a like a future fantasy, a science fantasy setting that uses the cipher system. But the whole, uh, the whole basis of like the Numenera is like the Arthur C. Clarke 
quote, like any sufficient enough technology is indistinguishable from magic or however it goes. Um, so that's like the whole theme of it. So in this uh, extension um, for Into the Odd, you will be delving into a, a kind of a dungeon of a old society, uh, ancient site that's been kind of uncovered. Um, and you'll go in and you'll find, uh, you know, this, these oddities, this technology that's almost indistinguishable from magic, uh, which is very much in line with Into the Odd in general. Um, the current funding for this project is going towards hiring layout and paying for art. Um, right now, this project costs you know, $4 US, um, which is not fucking bad at all. Um, they've raised $247. Their goal is $500. Um, and so I think that you all need to go give them money because I think this is a really cool project. I downloaded it forever ago, so I actually already read through it. Um, and I, I think it's really cool. I'm stoked to run it with my Into the Odd group. Um, but yeah, um, a nice little, uh, little you know, we're big. We're big uh, on into the odds on this channel. So. Yeah, for sure. Two things that I really like about this. First, the cover is gorgeous. Like, uh, I assume this is just a piece of. The cover is fucking cool, man. It's so good, and it realistically, like, when you think of like into the odd and the science fantasy and stuff like that, this gives you that kind of like weird odd. But like, yeah. it's so glass, so there's enough tech to it. Like, I think this hits the vibe like dead on, and it it's does. just really. And if this... you read through it, it's very much like a oh, this fits in perfectly. Like, it's very easy to slide this in. Um, the other thing I really like is uh, two things here. Uh, I did get the Blades in the Dark book. We're going to have to talk about that. But 2400 by Jason Tochi um, is a really, really, I'll have to, we'll have to talk about that. I, I recently downloaded this, and it's so cool. Um, but I also love the Olivia Hill rule, which is something that um, Adam Bass puts in a lot of his books, which basically says, uh, fuck fascists. If you're fascist, don't play this game. Um, yeah. Be better. Do better. Uh, and I feel like that's super, super important to to re repeat over and over again right now uh, in the world, you know, especially. Very much so, is. Yeah. Uh, so that's those who came before. Sick. Cool. Hell yeah. All right. Um, I am going to talk about uh, Caverns of Morning. Um, this project is a whimsical, weird, and dangerous dungeon module for old school essentials. Um... <laughs> If we, if you weren't here at the beginning and you don't know about what old school essentials <laughs> is, um, go check out their Kickstarter. It's already passed a half a million dollars. Um, but this looks really, really cool. Uh, it backed. I mean, it's, it's way past its funding. It blew past its original stretch goals, which is really cool. Um, but uh, this says 900 years later, uh, those damp corridors and fetid chambers play host to myriad denizens. Um, well, let me read this beginning part. Three times 300 years, you shall want for nothing. Three times 300 years, you shall see no rival. Three times 300 years, you shall reign on a throne of your making. The witches Ooh. lied, but honey tongues caged the king's heart. Wisdom of kinship fell on deaf ears, and he was blinded by purpose. He fled yeah. to the darkness where sun could not find him. The witches yeah. died, but the woes had been done. The ground broke and buried hey. behind him. The king wept, for he was alone. So, nice. You really, you really hit that hoe just now. You know, you really yeah. You're just blowing. Nine hundred <laughs> years later, these damp corridors and fetid chambers play host to myriad denizens. Whether it's a carniv carnivorous gatorman who worship and serve their great turtle god, their hated rivals, the boar-faced orcs, seek enlightenment, or the shattered remnants of the Morning King's retinue, cursed to an eternity as life-starved husks. Um, this sounds really, really cool. It's just uh, again a weird, whimsical dungeon. Um, with it started out as a 32 page dungeon module but if you look at all of the stretch goals 
Um, it got we've surpassed uh, 32 pages now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know there's Alabaster Crypt unlocked, full color production, Witch Tree Grove, which is the second micro dungeon, Totala, which is four more pages, um, another tower, which is another micro dungeon, a dungeon synth EP, and it keeps oh, going. There will be a hex really? crawl at three thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this looks dope. Um, a couple of things that I really really liked about this project. First, the art looks really really cool. I, it just looks really nice. Um, cool pieces that I'm showing on stream that the people on the podcast can't yeah, listen sorry, to. If you're listening to um, this, you know, we love you. Yeah. Go check it out. Um, the other thing that I really loved was this. Okay, so you get this A5 5.8 by 8.3 saddle stitch bound on quality satin paper, exteriors and interiors in full color. But look at this part right here that I love. The PDF version will be optimized for use while running games with embedded oh. links and cross-referencing. Oh, look at them. They're living in fucking 2022, man. My current uh, legacy that I will claim in tabletop community, in tabletop gaming, is there are some big games out there that have hyperlinks because I I gave people shit about it. So you're welcome. I think the only one we have confirmed is that Into the Odd added hyperlinks. No, 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 no. Kevin, Kevin, friend of the show, Kevin Rahman. Kevin Rahman. Yeah, uh, we have to say friend of the show now. He did say that he was going to be adding some That's some hyperlinks so to the hilarious. Yeah, to to <laughs> some of the pro, so, to to some Forbidden Psalm stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold him to that. Um, or don't. You don't have to listen to us, Kevin. Um, <laughs> yeah. Friend of the show, the fuck are we? Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. Um, but anyway, so that is Caverns of Morning. Uh looks like a really, really cool old school essentials uh dungeon uh for old school essentials and all you people that decided to buy that entire box set. So check it out. Um and I think we just have one more, right? Yeah. We're uh we're gonna talk about Discordantopia. Um, which is a supplement for both uh Polka and Troika. And if you don't know what Polka is, Polka is Troika except very stripped down um, and uses dice pools instead of the regular Troika rules. Um, I'm supposed to have less math. Honestly, I haven't really looked into it, um, but I'm always down to do less fucking math, man. So yeah, whatever. Hardcore. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Discordantopia is a, they said, dystopian punk spell jammer type city. Um, so this whole extension is one whole city that you uh, get to work through. Uh, I am also, just like the last one where I was like, oh yeah, references Numenera. I'm a huge Numenera fan. I also fucking love Spelljammer. Um, I think it's one of the best things that, you know, D&D ever did. Shout out. Um, although it's been a long time since there's been a recent Spelljammer. But yeah, so uh, what is Discordantopia? Um, so it is this very large city. And what is in this module, uh, you will get a zine. Uh, on the player side, there are eight new um, Polka slash Troika uh, compatible backgrounds. A brief guide um, with uh, Karen-esque player agendas and principles, which I think is really cool to add into a Troika. Um, <clears throat> that's to kind of ensure that everyone's on the same page. Um, on GM side, going to give you a kind of a how-to on how to maneuver through this vast city, what's in it, what are some points of interest. Uh, they really they really market this. It's almost a very sandbox experience, right? Like they give you the tools to be specific, but it is an open area for your players to interact with. Um, and kind of fulfill their agendas and just kind of have a good time and be weird, chaotic, um, and odd. And I, I really love the first piece of art on here, um, which is uh, like this hallway locker room with these people just kind of just hanging out on these weird-ass couches. And there are all these characters that just like 
No, what are it? Name one of these things. You know, what are any of these things? You don't know. You don't have to know. It's whimsical. It's fun. Um, and this the second looks, part, go ahead. This looks like Men in Black with like a little bit of drugs. <laughs> I can see that. Everyone's hanging <laughs> out in the. And then the next part is actually at the rendering of the city, which looks um, really big. It looks kind of yeah. massive. So yeah, so big. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this project is only $10 US and it's funded. It's it's past its funding. Um, so we're really just bringing it up because we think it's cute. So, Looks and good. Yeah. I, I like the colors on this page too. So, so do I. It's funny yeah. because it's weird to um, describe a Troika um, supplement as um, Spelljammer esque because Troika's Spelljammer esque, you know, like yeah. all of it is. So, huh. but it kind of is though. But I, I no, like it, the part at the bottom. It definitely is a good way to describe it. Yeah, I do like this part at the bottom though, where it says it's kind of more like Electric Bastion Land setting as opposed to like a regular Troika setting. Yeah, so it's, just, I mean, Troika, it's like yeah. it's much more open and like um, there's a lot of very specific information that you can um, you can interact with, but you don't really necessarily have to, you know. But it's there. Yeah, Troika does not give you a lot of super specific setting information on anything. Um, so. And that's kind of their whole thing. Like, they're just yeah. like, but that's the thing that I kind of don't like about. That's one of the things that I'm not as big a fan about of Troika because of. You, you know like, me, I'm a you lore like boy. setting information. Yeah, you like lore I do. books. I don't. I, do. um, I want there to not be that much lore because I want to just do whatever the fuck I'm going to do. So See, and I, I like to take... <clears throat> like things that are already there and make them my own as opposed to making like brand new things out of nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Like okay. I love adventure Finally. seeds and things like that. Yes. Yeah. That's very fair. You know, gosh, eight thirty-five. we started 10 minutes late and somehow got through kickstart the podcast before eight forty-five. It's just not even, we did it. We did it y'all. We did it. Look at that. <clears throat> Round of applause for we us. Got... Everyone clap for us. Damn it. <laughs> Boom. Plenty of time to go over Nova then. Nova. So. Are you are you are you ready for this? Yeah, absolutely. I've had Nova pulled up for the past three days. Yeah, look how look how pretty that book is. It's a really good cover. I like and in and when we get into the book, there's all there the pages are all black, but there's like a lot of use of color. But I like because the front and back, like behind me, you see, is just all red. Um and it I it looks really nice. You know, the rest of the book isn't like that at all, but it also this also fits the theme somehow. Um but yeah, good. I'm stoked. You're good. How, how do you feel about this game, Ryan? Give me a um, give me a sentence, you know. Give you a sentence. I like it. Cool. Very good. That is a sentence. So <laughs> that is in fact a sentence. I I I I like looter shooters and this, and I've never really played an RPG that's a lot of times you hear about role-playing games like they try to not be video games or right. they try to not be like power gamers. Everyone's like, you don't be a power, you know, fifth, it's about role play, not power gaming. This is power gaming. This is literally yeah, the definition. It's, really this system. It, so. it's designed for power gamers. Like it's literally built for that. So it's interesting to just be like, no, that's a good, do that. Do that harder. Yeah. Go like do the thing you're not supposed to in other games. So what do you think? I think that I don't normally like looter shooters, but I do like a lot of things about this game. I really do like this game. It's a very, it's a very fun, clever, super OP game. Like yeah. 
they're just like, yeah, you're just going to come in here and you're going to kick fucking ass. And you're like, okay, cool. Like that's, I can totally get down doing that. That sounds cool. It's so, literally the whole point. You kick ass and you can't die. And you just like, like, I do kick like more ass. my brutal experiences in games, but I totally appreciate when they're like, no, you're going to just, you're going to come in here and you're going to be, it's going to be you fighting and throwing massive energy balls and just being a superhero. And I'm like, hey, that sounds kind of tight. I could do that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Nova is from Spencer Campbell or Gila RPGs. Uh, Spencer Campbell created the Lumen system. Um, and we'll talk about, uh, you want to talk about Lumen kind of at the end or here at the beginning? Um, I don't care. You choose. So I actually haven't read Let's... the Lumen individual. I've only read Nova. So, so, so one of the things I really like about Lumen and Spencer and a bunch of the stuff is that uh, not only with um, is there Nova, there's also Light, um, and but not only is there like a third party license for it, he actually put out an SRD for it, um, which is actually right here, uh, and he's like, sure, make fucking games, just go ham. Um, so you can actually find a shitload of illuminated by Lumen games. Yeah, on, I got, I got um, that on one itch. that was kind of like a Japanese fighter, almost like Power Rangers one that you oh, sent me. Oh, Lumen Rider? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, I mean, there's also, gosh, like In Extremis from Keegan XE. Um, there's Hedge, which is really, really cool. Um, so, unless I'm completely talking to my ass, I'm pretty sure that those are Lumen. Um but yeah, it's just a really cool system, and there have been a lot of a lot of really cool um, games. Yeah, um, a lot of really cool games based on it already. So it's kind of one of those like I think I tweeted a while ago about like, hey, you know, if you're a creator out there, um, uh, how cool would it be to create a system that people like like so much they start making other games with it? And this is kind of the definition of that. There's a shitload yeah. of illuminated by Lumen games. Um, because it's just a really cool, simple, fun system. Um, so, yeah. So getting into Nova, um, I like this part dedicated to uh, their partner who hates the sun as much as I do. Right there with you, buddy. Um, but... We uh, get it, bro. You're emo. It's fine. Hey, or I just do Night Shift. Um, <laughs> great people inside. Editing by Will Yopes. Um, I know Will Yopes from the Brain Trust podcast mm -hmm. with Adam Vass. Um so yeah um yeah uh keegan's in there like all sorts of tony vicenda i mean just some great people associated with spencer and the project illuminated by lumen gil rpgs um right off the bat we head into the table of contents and guess what guess what oh, is that, oh it is yeah didn't even realize not, it was yeah not bookmarked but it is hyperlinked and i'll take that Listen, it's hyperlinked you know yeah um so we got about, here's the thing. We got about, I think it's 80 pages. Um, it's not a dense 80 pages. No, it's super not dense. I didn't even realize yeah. that right now it was 80 pages because it's pretty yeah. light. Super easy to read. What did we read that was only 30 pages but was like, was it Mothership that was just like 35 pages? But Dude, it's like. I don't know. Mothership was so dense though. I regret yeah. not cherry picking that one, you know? Yeah. I, well, yeah, we need to be better about cherry picking stuff in the future so I can actually get to the. Yeah, uh, so we can get to the end and stuff. So, um, yes, again, but that's not a bad thing. I like the length of the book. I like that it's long enough to be put into a hardback as opposed to just yes. a zine. Um, because, man, I really, listen, I, I love me some zines. 
I will say though, zines don't look as nice on a bookshelf because you can't tell what the fuck <laughs> it is. Um, so I, I love that. I have a nice hardback here for this. Um, so getting into it and going Nova. Nova is a tabletop role-playing game about exploring and rebuilding a world after the sun exploded. With Nova, you and your friends tell the stories of the Sparks, brave individuals wearing exosuits fueled by the sun who venture out into the dark. Suit up and get your systems ready. Your humanity is the last hope of a new dawn. Um, and that's it. And again, as we said, right when you start off, the pages are really well laid out. They're, the layout is really, really cool, too. The yeah, great use of color. Cool. Yeah. We're, I'm going to point something out later on in the rules where it's a very minor like layout thing. And I was just like, oh, wow, that's a really great way to lay that out because it makes the information so easy to take. Yeah, it, this is a, it's a good looking book. It's well laid out. There's art that's nice. Um, it's a it's one of the better looking books we've done. And it's good looking the kind of way that Orb of the Blues was where it just con consistently had good imagery or like it was well laid out. It really reinforced yeah. the kind of tone they were going for. Yeah, I, I definitely, and I like that the pages are all black and everything's color on it. Yeah. Since the sun exploded and everyone's yeah. like, so I, I just think like, this thing must yeah. have been a bitch though, you know. <laughs> I bet, I bet. The only thing that I, I wish, um, and I don't know how or why, but like the pages are black, but the edge of the book is still white. I wish the edges of the pages were black too. That'd be dope. Um, ah. But that's such a small, tiny little like whatever yeah. that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and and as we said, the pages are laid out very like simply, so there's not too much information on each page. That's why eighty pages didn't feel super dense. Um. But yeah. So uh, hopping into the rules, what do you need? Uh, at least four six-sided dice um, per player, a character sheet, and that's about it. Um, and then there are rolls at the table. Basically, it just says that the players are sparks, which are solar-fueled exosuits designed to defend humanity and explore the dark places beyond their walls. Um, and then one player is the GM. Um, and together, you all play the game. Um, and when we get to the GM section, there is a really long GM section in the back. And a lot of the GM sections, I kind of like skip through because it's just kind of like the same bullshit. I really oh, like this one. And, and oh, I read we'll, it, so. <laughs> it's like half the book. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go over it because there's actually really good information and, and we have extra time today because it's still not even 8.45. So a uh, quick brief history, um, and I like this. Uh, the sun exploded. Its shards crossed the solar system and smashed into Earth and our moon. Humanity was devastated, nearly wiped out. The moon was stuck in the sky, a glowing pockmarked beacon of our apocalypse. Hundreds of years later, we rebuilt the shards of sun planted themselves on our surface and cooled. Humanity huddled around these shards, harnessing them for warmth and light. And now with the advent of the sun wells, we can tap into the near limitless energy of these shards. In a twist of fate, this new source of fuel is skyrocketing us forward in our tech. The cities built around the sun wells are a hybrid of the ruins of old earth and the technology of new Terra. We are ready to face the dark. Um, I don't know if it says it here or at some point, but it was basically like the sun blew up and shards of it are stuck in the earth. Don't ask questions. Just fucking go with it. I'm good. Yeah. I wasn't going to ask you questions anyway. You know, I'm, going, yeah. I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. Um, so then uh, humanity built the sparks, <clears throat> these powerful exosuits that explore the darkness and defend um, humanity. And you are the sparks. Um, the old earth is filled with ruins. You explore them. Um, and it's time to suit up and bring about a new dawn. So uh, heading into the rules, uh, there's this general thing. It's 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 an, it's a tabletop role playing game. It's a conversation between the GM and the players. 
Um, and it they reiterate, Spencer reiterates multiple times throughout the book that uh, the GM is a player too. You're supposed to have fun and it's not just your responsibility to have fun yeah. at the table. So I really, I really like that. Yeah. Um, does that a lot in the RPG or in the GM section at the end. Um, basically, the it's, it's when you want to do something, uh, you roll. Uh, and success or failure is mean, and you only roll if it's meaningful. It's not just like random bullshit. Yeah. Um, like when you're doing a text or if you're attempting something. You can open the door, you know? Exactly. Um, and, uh, when sparks act and there's no risk, there's no need to roll. That's all it says. Roll when you need to. So here's the core mechanic of basically what the Lumen system is. Obviously there's more, but this is the core of it, how it basically works. When a spark describes a risky action, the GM decides what attribute, and there's three attributes in the Lumen system for Nova, there's sun, moon, or shade. Um, I like the use of Oxford comma in there. Best describes the way in which the spark is acting. We'll talk about attributes on page five. So it'll, we'll, the difference between sun, moon, and shade we'll get to. The spark rolls a number of D6 equal to their attribute and keeps the highest result. So to explain that, if your sun score is three, you roll three D6s. So you're basically you rolling. Yeah. Well, so no, you're rolling the dice pool. Yeah. And on a one to two, you fail. And if your highest dice is a three or four, it's success with the consequence. And if your highest dice is a five or a six, you get a total success, full effect, no consequences, anything. So yeah. So basically, you want to roll a five or a six across your dice pool. Right. And that's it. That's the success. So that is the core of the entire Lumen system. It's clever. I like it. Yeah. Like it's it's I a did way. Roll a lot uh, of three dice, and man, it's pretty hard to fail with three dice you know yeah 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 well do you normally get a three four or a five six i wonder what the current well i guess it's dependent on the pool uh depending on the pool but you do seem to when we get into character actually we'll get there when we talk to care about character creation because it tells you how many points you have to lay out so mm. yeah. so. so do you yeah. feel like you almost always got total successes or do you feel I, like I, you got I, a mixed I, bag i rolled mm, i rolled maybe um 30 times uh, two nights ago when I was reading through this because I built a little a mini character um, and I failed very little. Um, but did you do the... that? On my higher level stats, I failed almost none of them all. So, but is that one, two, or like three, four? Or do you mean like you anything besides the five, six? Is I what I'm rolled saying? a five or a six on almost every single one. Um, and there was a few where I rolled a four and no fives. And there were very few where I didn't roll above a three. So gotcha. it's like, gotcha. I mean, it's, it's fine. This is a very epic game. Like it's supposed to be super epic, but the, the chance of failure, once you get above to die, um, is like minimal, you know? Yeah. Well, again, this game is built as a looter shooter and yeah, you're right. You are supposed to, you're not, it's not that yeah, you're, you're not supposed, not supposed to, to fail, fail all the time. Yeah. but you're supposed to feel powerful and epic and just fuck shit up and like have yes. these like, and it's epic, a good system like for movie that. sequence. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I really, really enjoy it. I'd love to play it. And if you're going to build a game where you're supposed to be like an OP, um, like fuck, not just like exosuit battling shit yeah. where like you literally can't die and you're just supposed to feel like a badass action star, like looter shooter, like you can't die in destiny, yeah. you know, then that's perfect system for it. You know, is to, is to generally, do the things you want to do and occasionally face some consequences for it. Um, speaking of consequences, consequences can be any complication for the situation. The spark may have tripped an alarm or damaged a console or whatever. 
Um, and when in combat, consequences might include enemies dealing harm to the sparks or making technically sound maneuvers. Um, but unlike a 2D6, kind of like they only act when you fail kind of thing, enemies do get turns in this. So it's not like right. they yeah. can't do... Yeah, it's not like they can't only do damage on your consequence because then, yeah, they wouldn't. you would never get hurt. Um, when in combat, consequences might include enemies dealing... Yeah, I already did that. Um, the one exception to the core mechanic are powers. Oh, one thing that I did notice, I love that there's hyperlinks in the beginning, but there's a lot of sections within the book that say, like, you'll see this on page 63. Hyperlink there to page 63 yeah, would, no, would be nice. There. Nothing. Um, yeah. Uh, the one exception to the core mechanic are powers. Using a power never requires a roll from a spark. More details on, on powers are used later. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, you have fuel to power your powers and you just have to expend fuel and then power is just used. Um, so we'll get to that in combat. Um, cool piece of art to fill up this page. Uh, this is actually kind of a silhouette of a spark later, which I think is a cool little precursor to kind of see yeah. the image now and then get it appeared later. Um, attributes represent how the sparks act in and out of combat. Attributes are how the pilots resolve actions when they are acting on and off the field. Attributes are rated numerically. During the game, the GM will test different attributes once players will roll dice. Here are the examples of the three attributes, and I really like them. Um, and again, in the GM section, it talks about a lot of the rules being like somewhat vague because these are supposed to be like inspirations, not like... It's the whole rules, yeah, not rules a, kind of thing. It's not a hard line. It's a, it's a yeah. here's a, a more or less a suggestion of how this is supposed to work, but interpret exactly. it in a way that works for your table. Exactly. So Sun, Moon, and Shade are really good examples of that. Um, sun moves are powerful, destructive, <laughs> sweeping actions, like brute forcing things, smashing doors, um, enduring strenuous weight. Um, you could kind of call this power, I guess, if you wanted to, or strength. Yeah. Um, roughly. Yeah. Moon is quick, reactive, dangerous actions. Quickly hacking a console, threading the needle, avoiding harm or detection, making a quick exit. Again, it's kind of a vague, like, agility score. Yeah, um, agility, agility, mental agility. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then shade is practiced, patient, methodical actions, carefully unlocking a console, assessing a situation or location, knowing when to act or using logic to reach a conclusion, which... This is the most kind of vague one, but this would be kind of like, like wisdom-ish. Yeah. Um, they remind me of the three scores in Orbital Blues a little bit. How it's just like, oh, it's kind yeah. of... Where are they? Blank him. What were the three scores in Orbital Blues? It was like, great. well, now you shouldn't have asked because now we have to bring it up. But it's blue. Um, I think blues is one. So no, it's like we ran through the whole and, thing. Uh, I ran through things six times, and I fucking cannot. <laughs> no, I, I'm half tired, and you just woke up. Why would you ever ask the question? Um, <laughs> Doesn't matter. Not part of the conversation. Keep keep it moving. No, nope, nope. Now we gotta uh, look it up. Now we gotta look it up. You son of a bitch. Come on, Dropbox, open. Oh, you're, up to, you're depending on Dropbox for this. Good. All right. Well, I guess I'll, I will uh, I'll perform a song to keep our listeners uh, entertained. Yeah, there you go. Name. That's exactly uh, what you need to do. Yeah. No. Uh, the three well, scores in Orbital Blues. Yeah. No, don't show cats. Uh, muscle, Grit, and Savvy. I knew Grit was one. So Muscle yeah. is strength stuff. Grit right. is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Savvy is exactly. So again, it reminds me of those three scores because... They're like you as soon as you read the description, you're like, okay, I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh Sun Moon Shade, uh powerful moves, quick moves, and patient moves. 
which I really like. And I do like that a lot better than, you know, just the standard, you know, uh, agility, wisdom, you know, situation and stuff. Uh, put that goddamn cat away. I got a cat, bro. Uh, so example of play, which I really like. And, you know, we're big fans of examples oh, yeah. of play on the show. The, yeah, I love, there were yeah. several of these and they're, you know, they were easy reads and yeah. Um, so Kate is playing a Voyager, a scouting class spark designed to seek and destroy the enemies of the dusk. She wants to leap across nice. a chasm unnoticed, uh, timing it when the lunar hounds have their attention pointed elsewhere. The GM decides that this is a moon action. It's quickly acting during a moment of opportunity. She has a three for moon, so rolls 3d6 and keeps the highest. It's a five, a total success. The GM describes uh, Kate's spark landing on the other side, the lunar hounds unaware of her presence. Exactly. Uh, the next up is spark. Do you want to take sparks? Yes, sparks <clears throat> features. While each spark is built for specific tasks uh, and roles on missions, they all share uh, common features. And I like this breakdown of how to make a character because when you talk about attributes, they're usually in parallel, the individual attributes, with the other things about their character sheets, but really they're a whole group. And I don't know why, but like this really simple breakdown where it says attributes and it like tabs down and in and it has what the three are. Don't know why. Very easy to understand. But so you have um, attributes, which are your sun, moon, shade, health, uh, which is your health, fuel, which is a resource that lets you use uh, your powers, uh, flare, which is like modifications, um, and powers, which are your like spark abilities, which we will get into. Um, powers and fuel, each spark has a unique or has unique powers coming in two different types, passive and active. Passive powers marked with a P are always in effect. Um, for example, Pyre's uh, slash passive allows them to deal one harm. Hello, cat. Why don't you walk by the screen while I'm reading? Uh, one harm to any close enemy at the start of their turn. Active powers require spending one fuel to be used. For example, spending one fuel allows Pyre to activate their uh, hunter power, hurling a flaming spear at any far enemy. While these powers can be used at any time, they're most typically used during combat. Yeah, so you have powers, you have fuel, passive. I like the passive abilities. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big passive ability guy, you know? Yeah, yeah I'm a big fan. I, I, it's just a really good, clean, easy system. You know, it's yeah. literally yes, like, it it's like, it's, it's like the so three attributes and four understand. things. Totally. If, if I, like, my session zero with my, with my characters for this, my player characters, would be so short that we'd probably play a lot during like the day of session zero, you know? Yeah, it would take 10, 15 minutes top. Sit down, yeah. run through the first couple of pages, and that's it. Made a mistake of petting that cat. Now it won't let me alone. Damn cats. All right, combat. Combato. This is a, this is a game about combat. So it's good that we have combat. Um, rounds and turns. Um, hey, there are rounds and turns in this, just like uh, other combat. Um, when a round, uh, <laughs> what, what? What were you going to say? I can see no, the just, words were coming. No, I was just like, oh my gosh, rounds of turns. It's crazy. It's crazy. Tabletop roleplaying. Yes. Um, but yeah. So when the round begins, all sparks take a turn in whichever order they like. There is really not a um, initiative, which I'm, I don't care about. Um, I'm fine with that. Um, there's no established order, so any spark may be the first to act. During the turn, a spark can make an action um, or it can move and take one action. So very typical, right? You can move and you can do a thing. And it said it lays out here what an action is uh, and what you know movement is. And an action is doing something. I'm using a power um, or doing a thing, interacting with the world. Y'all know what doing things are. Um, 
Movement isn't strictly measured. Um, instead, Nova uses abstract ranges during a turn. Um, what, what? Y'all allows... know what doing things are. Y'all know what doing things are. I'm from Texas. That's the new um, tagline for uh, for the weekly scroll. Y'all know what doing <laughs> things are. Yeah, you do things. Um, it's very straightforward. They're, they're like, yeah, you understand. Um, yeah, you can move, you can act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can move. Um, yeah, allow sparks to move one, ra- whatever, one range uh, unit towards or away from a target. So one unit of range, essentially, right? And we'll get yeah. to the units of range. It's actually right under this. Um, during a turn. Um, because sparks are incredible pieces of technology, they can move in ways that many of us can't. That includes wall sca- uh, running, scaling vertical surfaces, and leaping large gaps. So yeah, if you got some shit r- uh, straight up a wall shooting down at you, you can move towards it. And I am I, super, super okay with that. That sounds I'm fucking so cool. <laughs> this. I, again, again, I, this, I feel like, and in some games, I do like that. Like, I've never been a power gamer. I, I, no, it's I, insane. I'm definitely not either. But, you know, sometimes when the game is a power gamer game, it's like, uh, yeah, you're just going to just go off, King. Like, okay, cool. That's exactly yeah. how it feels. Yeah. Like, I feel like this game gives you permission to just be like, just do cool shit. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, you will blow stuff up mm-hmm. in a cool, like, exosuit and and you can so like wall jump and 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 just shoot up vertical surfaces just do the coolest most badass stuff and roll and you'll probably get to do that thing yes it's like i i do like the freedom that it gives you to just be like balls to the wall just go for it just just yeah this game definitely as we go through it you we're all going to realize that ryan and i already have that this game achieves exactly what it's going for um and you are an op fucking mech monster and I'm into that shit. Um, yeah. It's unfortunate because in the spread, you can see that there is another one of those silhouettes. And you oh, see just oh, oh right wait, there. wait, wait, you know, wait. You know wait. what I started doing? I also download the spread just in case. <laughs> so so I, we can... We can oh, hey, so spoilers, I can bro. Go, go way back up there, man. You're showing them too much. We're not there I... yet. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. Spread looks the, great. Um, yeah. So. Oh wait, wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Oh, here we go. Now I'm on the right there page. We now go. I'm on the right page. On the combat page. Yes. Great piece art right, right in the middle. The spread is good. Listen, you're. I like reading in singles, but a lot of the stuff is laid out in spreads, and this book is laid out really well in spreads. It looks. It really is good. laid out well, really well in spreads. Funny because I do I and I think I said this like a couple episodes ago. I never read the singles. I only read the spreads. Um, I just like having the one thing in front so i listen i'm all about the pdfs and the hyperlinks and stuff like that right right but there's part of the brain because i'm a huge book reader i don't like reading like book readers and tablets and stuff like that i prefer to have the physical book because i think there's something in the brain like when you turn a page it just makes it easy and plus adhd i mean you know if i can just take in like one page at a time it really helps me absorb the information but if i would look at this whole spread right now it's just too much like yeah. i can't focus on like one part of it so like i have I to read my page yeah so, so ranges. Back to pages. Um, yep. Yeah, so range. And there were there four range units. They kind of make sense, right? You have close range, which is melee, um, or a few steps away. Near, um, standard room, um, short sprint away. Far, um, across a large hall, field, or down a long corridor. And then beyond. Um, anything uh, beyond far and out of the sparks range. And I like the use of the word of beyond, because usually it's something like extra long range or something. And like that's totally sufficient. It just sounds a little lame, but for this game, it's kind of like very epic. Beyond sounds kind of tight. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> how far away is it? Oh, yeah, it's beyond your grasp right now. So, yeah, big fan. Yeah, I am too. Um, there's a little box here. Um, after each spark has a turn, it's a GM's turn. Um, while the GM has their own turn, uh, they also describe the enemy's reactions to the spark, um, and that may come from consequences uh, for many rules. Um, and it has another little C page, uh, page nine, but no clicky. Um, using powers. <clears throat> powers are abilities that are unique to each spark. Each spark has one passive power and four active powers that they can activate during combat. To use one, first select a power, spend one fuel cost, and resolve the power based on its effect um, and any flare mods. Um, harm and health. Um, each character, so harm is pretty much the way that this uh, that they describe damage to your player character. Um, we all understand what health is. Um, or God, I hope you do. Um, <laughs> when a character takes harm, it is subtracted from their health. Enemies at zero are dead period. When a spark's health reaches zero, they go supernova in which they get to do a kick-ass super ability, um, which is tight as fuck, and then they essentially go dormant. Um, they can be revived uh, by an ally spending an action to bring them back to half of their health and half their fuel, so it's just an action. It doesn't really cost you anything else. Um, sparks are incredibly powerful machines, uh, and the chances of final death are very slim. There are no rules for killing Spark. Death should be only be possible if the table decides that they want um, those sort of stakes in the game. Um, if you include death, make sure that the dying Spark goes out in a blaze of glory, not unlike the destruction of the sun, which, fuck yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, I'm into this. I think it's really cool. Um, your character's really not supposed to die in this game. This is not what this game is about, and I am super good with that. I, see, I have no qualms with that. But if you go down to zero, you get to do an ultimate attack. Um, and we're yeah. going to read a couple of them. Ryan and I both picked our favorite, um, like Spark, um, and we'll read through it. And they're cool, man. Like, this is it's this yeah. is a fun game. Like It's cool. Especially if you have a new table, if you have a brand new table, because a lot of people sit down to a tabletop game, and they want to be epic heroes immediately, which is why you get people who write backstories. They're just like, I'm the Lost Prince and the general of an army. It's like, well, no, you're level one. But in this game, if you have a table <laughs> of those people in this game – you can be like, yeah, man, you're a kick-ass. You're a badass. You've been living through this dark world, and you start off powerful. So yeah, whatever. You're 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 the Lost Prince. Um, yeah, I I yeah. I'm a huge fan of this like not dying situation too because again, it just feeds into this entire ethos of the game, which is just the point is to just be a cool fucking badass. Like yeah, and it's so much of the game, and we've talked about this before. The best games, all of the mechanics, just re like. Feedback yeah. into the vibe of the game, and it's the reason we talk about like the dragon game as being not a great game because there's nothing about the mechanics that feeds into game. that feeds into what the game actually is. Because if you just read it for the mechanics, all it is is a combat game. Like there's yeah. nothing else for it, and it tries to play itself as an RPG. So when we can get games like this, or games like Orbital Blues, is probably one of the best ones I've read where the mechanics themselves just feed back into what the Orbital game is over Orbital and over Blues and over again. Is is a masterpiece of of game design, and it, it yeah, it, for exactly that reason, it's it's uh, absurdly good. But we're not talking about Orbital Blues because I will go off on a whole ass tangent. Um, but what right. this this this, this is one that reminds me a little bit because yes, the rules all totally. feed back into. Um, uh, how the game is supposed to be and how you're supposed to feel while playing the game. Really, and I that. like death in instances like this where it's like it's not saying that you can't kill a character at all. It's saying that there are rules for it. And that's the way the game is supposed to be played. But it gives you the chance to have like really epic moments, especially if somebody's trying to retire a character to like 
have these cinematic death moments um which like if it's discussed beforehand and everyone's cool with it can be like really cool experiences and i feel like on other games where it's like you just kill people's characters you kind of miss out on that but like you can make it fucking i mean if you watch like a comic book or you read a comic book or you watch a movie where like a main character dies like it is not oh yeah the goblin just fucking killed you man you got a good hit and you were low on health they're like no it was crazy and there were shots firing and you took out 30 enemies uh, half an episode of flashbacks yeah <laughs> and not not to keep not to keep talking about this and orbital blues and the same thing but orbital blues has the same as a sim has a mechanic for that for yeah, actually does. going out in your blaze of glory and stuff glory, like that yeah so and i would um, and i would enact that with this too i'd be like okay cool if you want hardcore. your character to die your character's gonna hit gonna be only gonna make hits and you're gonna do double damage for the next like yep. complete combat this combat yes yeah. yeah. but when you supernova you better like have ready to go yeah. You know, and we'll put on your soundtrack or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that'd be a great mechanic to, to, to use for this. So, yeah. And we have an example of a turn right here. Um, a player's turn. Keegan is, pay, is playing a Pyre, um, the Flame Wreath Ruthless Hunter Spark. A group of enemies, uh, a group of enemy lunar cultists have been ignited by uh, Ty's Scorch Spark. Keegan uses their move to get closer to the cultists, uh, changing their far range to near. Then they use the pirate's finisher power. Finisher allows the pirate to deal one harm to every injured enemy within near range. They mark one fuel to activate the power and describe dashing between each cultist, the fire of their sword raging and melting them one by one. The GM notes the harm dealt and play passes to the next spark. And there's a lot of like really epic abilities like that. So we'll, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Uh, GM's turn, which we'll go over as well. After each spark has had the turn, the GM takes their turn um, with the following actions. One, uh, choose one enemy per spark and activate one of its moves or deal harm. Um, then describe a meaningful change to the fight, like a change in enemy tactics, arrival of reinforcements, destruction of the environment, or anything that would alter the spark's tactics um, the next time they act. And I really like that. It, it, it even says, like, hey, Every round of combat should change what the next round of combat looks like. Combat's very, it's fun in this game. It's very epic, but it's also, it doesn't, it's not made to be super static. It seems like from the way they put this, it's like they want you to add reinforcements. They want things to change. Absolutely. Like, especially when we go to the GM rules that you didn't read, um, there's a whole huge section where that's specifically what I talked about is just like the sparks are badass like if you mm -hmm. want combat to be harder don't just add a bunch of health because all then you end up as bullet sponges that go for four yes. hours and you know but D, D combat no you want they to literally they literally say like bring in like a wave of reinforcements uh, alter the tactics if all the sparks are over here have the bad guys smart enough to be like let's do this and change the way the battlefield works and that is what's going to make it more interesting so yeah like you said round by round have the tactics alter based on what the sparks are doing as opposed to just like the number of times I've stood in a doorway while a bunch of bad guys stay on the other side of the doorway and you have to just like reach in and like hit and stuff like that and no one moves for like 20 right. turns. That's the opposite of this. Don't do that. So yeah, super cool. Uh, two, uh, generate drops. Drops are resources created by dead enemies that the sparks can use to regain health and fuel. Roll a d6 for each enemy killed. Um, on the one and two, no drop. Three to five, one fuel and six, one health. Um, the sparks should decide who wants the drops generated that round. Any drops that aren't claimed to disappear. Super video gamey, but not that not bad. Uh, this is a super video gamey game, so this is good. Well, this is this this style too is really interesting. It reminds me of the like um, 
like Doom's like push forward design yeah. where the resources you need come from killing bad guys. So it reinforces the mechanic of, okay, go kill bad guys. Yeah, kill like, the bad guys. That's the point. Yeah, so... Uh, after James' turn, the whole the round ends. A uh, new round begins. The fight continues, and whichever Spark would like to act first uh, continues the cycle. Sparks take their actions before the GM. We all get it. Um, after the fight, once combat is over, the GM drops, and mission continues. Uh, and now we get on to the, uh, the 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 fun the fun part. I guess it's all been pretty fun, honestly. This is a fun game. It's fun to read. Um, but character creation. Um, when you are ready to bring a new dawn, forge your spark. Um, yeah. So uh, character creation is divided into four steps. Uh, the first is to choose a spark, your weapon of war, metal and flesh woven into one. You can find description of the spark in the following pages. Give yourself a call sign. You got like a cool little nickname, you know. Um, and name the, your, uh, the name of your squad calls you during missions. Uh, write it on your character sheet. Take a moment to describe what your spark looks like um, to your squad mates. Uh, two, Programming spark. Every spark begins with a starting value of one for all three of their attributes, sun, moon, and shade. To program a spark, spend up to four points in total to increase your uh, your attributes. Uh, you cannot have an attribute with a starting value greater than four, but you can have an attribute that has a start value of three. And let me tell you, that, that shit's pretty powerful. And once you get to four, you are guaranteed success almost every single time. Um, every spark also has starting health and fuel values of two, spending up to eight points um, in total to increase those values. Add a segment to your character sheet for each additional health and fuel. Um, equip flares. Uh, each spark has a flare system to modify themselves. Flares are mods that provide ongoing benefits to change the way a spark power works. Choose any two flare mods and add them to your character sheet. More information on flares, page 29. <clears throat> and create your pilot. Your pilot is who you are when you're not wearing your spark. Describe what your pilot looks like to your squad mates and write their name and pronouns on your character sheet. Um, shout out them for putting, write your pronouns um, and shout out uh, like all tabletop like scenes that become more inclusive. Uh, I feel like that's important, even if it's a small thing. Um, what's next? Uh, to jump right into a mission, see page 35. For rules on creating mission, see 61. Um, and then for an example mission, uh, page 30. And now we get to look at the cool, 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 uh, yeah. you know, exosuits essentially. So, so I, who did you pick for your classes? Uh, the Voyager. And I picked the Sanguine. Sure. So, but you read through all of them, right? I read through several of them. Several of them. One of the, so uh, I, I didn't read the I didn't read the, the sanguine or grim because I knew that you would be into those and they're just yeah. not really my style. Um, yeah, but obviously pox <clears throat> and grim and sanguine and infernal those are my yes. things. What I really liked well the first four classes because uh, I would be surprised. I mean I, I don't know if they wrote them in if, if, if Spencer wrote them in order, but I'm I'm I would I'm 100 positive the first four written are the first four that were written because if you look at Pyre. Um, who is uh, the first scout's return to Scourge to the darkness of the dusk, telling stories of blah, blah, blah. Pyre, you deal strong single target damage complemented by high mobility. And the art is gorgeous. The art is yeah. stunning. I mean, super cool. 
It's it's an exosuit wielding a flame katana with like a fisk of fire. So, so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's so cool though. And then so that's pyre, right? right. Um, and then we'll go over the abilities and stuff next. But then there's scorch, another beautiful piece of art. This one's like very purple. Um, there's like a wrap around them. There's these like tendrils coming off of it. But if you read their their um, little blurb, part of the blurb at the bottom. Um, you set the battlefield on fire. While your primary goal is to burn out your enemies, you help the team stay fueled up and ready to fight. Continuing on. Um, then you get Voyager, which is one of the ones that you're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, as a Voyager, you support your squad by marking enemies, allowing you and your allies to devastate them. The Voyager manipulates and controls the battlefield in lieu of all out damage. And then you get the Warden. And as a warden, you're a defender and a bully on the battlefield. You help allies to endure incoming damage while charging across the dust ready to shoot out a challenge. Those four classes that started up, at their heart, are the four classic classes that were really... I'm sure they existed before 4E, but are the main focus of, of 4E classes. Right. Because Pyre is your striker. Scorch is your supporter or leader. I prefer the term supporter. Voyager is your controller and Warden is your defender. So those are literally the four basic <clears throat> classes of the four classic party. And I thought that was really cool that they started with, though, I assume started with those four using specifically designing characters, not just to be cool, but to have specific purposes. Yeah. And that really struck me as like really cool and interesting. Um, did you... That makes a lot of sense. Right? And then, and then I feel like... Pox and Grim and Sanguine and stuff like that were added on after is just like badass cool. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, just did. for us edgelords. Um, did you you who did you pick for your spark Voyager. that you like the most? Listen, Do you want to start with Voyager then? I'm not an edgelord. I love battlefield controllers. It's like that and like, you know, that's my kind of magic. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. um the Voyager. And you have this really cool um it looks super cool. I like that. I really like the art. And actually, it looks like a character that I would pick if I was playing yeah. a game. You know, like I, I would pick this character. Because um, well, I really I'm like. Little, I'm a little scouty boy. You know, I'm a little scouty. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a mark you and then hit you harder type of guy. I really love the face on this one with that kind of like, it's like it's looking back over its shoulder and the eyes are just kind of glowing. Yeah. Since its whole purpose, it's like go out there into the dark and like mark stuff and come back and stuff like that. It's and the color on this, that like blue green color too, with like the dark and the it red. It has downplayed fire compared to the other, some of the other. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Well, pyre is literally uh, like. Under, yeah, the pyre is just yeah. fucking pyre. So. It's but the, the art, the, the character art throughout this is ridiculous. Yeah. So well done. Yeah. So, so. Uh, Voyager, the first spark ever created. The Voyager is designed for quick movement and stealth, built for reconnaissance and scouting missions. Uh, the dusk is co a constantly shifting abyss, and without the Voyagers, we wouldn't have a clue what we were dealing with. It takes a special soul to want to walk into the unknown. As a Voyager, you support your squad by marking enemies, allowing you and your allies to devastate them. The Voyager manipulates and controls the battlefield in lieu of all-out damage. Um, yeah, so very much my um, my cup of tea. I don't hit very hard, but I do, I do, I do fuck some things up, you know. I do be making it. I do be making it worse for the bad guys. Uh, yeah. So the passability, passability is marked um, using your advanced tracking system. Find foes or find your foes. 
Um, at the start of your turn, mark any two enemies. Marks remain until they have been used, uh, but do not stack. So you basically mark two when you get into uh, combat. Then we get to the active powers. Your first one's going to be Seek. Micro explosives are sent hurling through the air. Choose one marked enemy. Uh, they take one, plus one harm from all sources until the start of the next round. Uh, target loses mark. Um, yeah, so you get to like make their time worse. You know, any damage they're going to take is going to be way worse. So if you have like you know your pyre who's going after somebody, I'm like, well, cool. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna seek that person. They're about to get fucked up right now. Um, destroy fire a salvo of homing explosive. Every marked enemy takes two harm. Uh, target loses mark. Um, a hollow spark. Deploy a decoy spark uh, at up to near range. Marked enemies will target the decoy. Um, hollow spark ends at the end of the round. Um, affected enemies will lose their mark. Swap. Feel the quantum pull as your suit begins to phase. Switch positions with a marked enemy within near or far range. Target loses mark. So I really like this. Um, you mark an enemy, and like depending on the situation, you can treat this a lot differently. Like, I mean, with destroy is really cool because you can blank it right you can blank it hit a bunch of marks and as like later on you can actually get more marks so you hit like a bunch of enemies but if we're facing one person who's like a super badass um you can swap places with them and you can use hollow spark to make sure they don't attack you um and you can use or you can use seek to make sure that big big badass enemy is taking one plus damage from everybody um and i really like a the versatility tactically that you could use this for um i mean it's it's so well written as a controller because controller's yes, primary job it's a great controller. is it con controller's primary job is to spread damage across the battlefield but also control the field and the fact yeah. that you can force enemies to hit one target you can swap at the target like you're really controlling the whole field and one of the things i really like too is with seek part of the reason a game like this i personally like initiative order but that's because of the style of game that like if i were to make one what it would be yeah. like it matters a lot less in this because it feels like a lot of the uh, things that you can do with your powers can happen on other people's turns too. So it's kind yes. of like one one whole scene as opposed to who cares like what order you go in. Because like Seek, for example, um, activates when someone else hits them and it's like you're shooting out these like micro things while someone else is doing something, which is cool. It's like one whole scene together, which is really, really yeah. neat. So, yeah. Yeah. So, as the, at running this game, I would definitely describe it as like a contiguous, like, it's not you acted, you acted, you acted. Yeah. It's an epic battle scene where everything's happening at once. <clears throat> like, actually, mm -hmm. like, real life. Um, supernova. Uh, so, the supernova ability, SOS uh, Salvo, fire off a solar shard for each point of moon you have. Uh, shards can hit any range and deal two harm each. So, if you have a high moon score, which makes sense to us because this is a sneaky boy um he's a very agile boy sorry not sneaky but agile um i guess he's kind of sneaky too um but yeah so have a high moon um score and the supernova is when you hit zero this is your death move yeah the supernova is yeah. when you hit zero your your death you know you're not gonna die though um yeah. yeah there are a bunch of persistent mods um and a lot of these have persistent mods that kind of like lined up for with each other they're all very not the same but similar you know, they will boost a couple stats. They boost your uh, fuel, your health. Um, I, my favorite one with this one, um, actually, I have two favorites. I'm going to read those two. The first is Sonar for persistent mods. Um, 
which you may mark three enemies now instead of two, which is great because you can control nope. three instead of two. And the next one's study, which marked enemies do minus one harm to you. Um, so even if they do one harm, they don't do any because you think right. minus one. Um, and I love that. I think it's uh, I think it's interesting too. I mean, there's a huge list of mods. So like those yes. in podcast land in each persistent and power section, basically the left side is like bonuses to like cyclical plus one moon, plus one moon, plus one like cool is plus one shade, um, things like that. Um, so those are like boosts to what you have. And then you get these abilities on the right side because we'll get to it a little bit later, but there's really no advancement. All you do is unlock more mods so that you can right. like craft your suit a little bit better. Um, and it's just really interesting kind of like how simple this is, but also how many options and how many ways you could like how many different builds you could make with this. You can completely change the way he works like entirely based on some of these mods. Yeah. And uh, the power mods, so the persistent mods mod your character's overall stats. So the power mods actually mod your abilities. Um, and I'm going to, once again, I'm just going to pick two of my favorite ones from this one. I'm just reading all of them. Um, let's see. I think Hard Light Hollow and then Matchmaker are my favorites from this. Hard Light Hollow, um, Hollow Spark. So when you set down your hologram, that things are like that you're marking me has to, like, has to attack that now. Um, it explodes, dealing one harm to all close enemies and marking them. Um, so it costs a mark to use this, but like it explodes and anything nearby gets marked. And personally, I would say that if there are four enemies around it, I would say all four of them are marked. Uh, yeah, if I was the game master, um, because that's fair. Um, and then my second favorite one is uh, Matchmaker, uh, which is you just can switch place places with allies instead of yourself when you do the swap ability. And I like that because I want to control the battlefield. I want to move around a lot. Um, and that allows me to have one extra, like, yeah, you can switch places with fucking anybody now, man. Um, and it's cool. Wait, wait, I mean, wait. Doesn't it say that you can switch the target with an ally? So basically oh, you can switch a bad with guy with an ally. ally. Save yourself. Yeah. Uh, I misread that. That's okay. I still think that's cool. Uh, oh, that's super cool. Because what if you're, you have, you have a guy that's like out there getting hit by like three dudes and you targeted this guy, you just swap their dude in with that guy yeah. and get your guy the fuck out of there. That's cool. I, I, the point, yeah. the point being, I just want more control over the battlefield, like movement. Um, and like kind of when you talk about battlefield control, and I didn't talk about the certain abilities, but there's really four ways to do it, right? There's like, increase, there's debuffs. There are like blanket AOEs. There is like the hollow spark, like forcing, like forcing an attack. Um, on a thing, and then like changing positions in the battlefield. Like I feel like those are very major tenets of battlefield control, and this kind of hits. I mean, it does hit all of them. Um, it does. You know, it's a really, really. It's it's, so, a, really it's a really well written controller. Yeah. yeah, like like they definitely lure. Like okay, what are the tenets of a controller? Let me build one for this and be a badass yeah. exclusive when they did it, and it and it's it's good. It's just good. Yeah. Um, this and the other one's good too. Fun to play, especially because it sounds like like in these battles you just have like a lot of enemies, and so it sounds like this is just like there's no there's no limit on using the mark um, like ability, right? Like the, you can use it again and mark more enemies after your marks are gone. You know, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, and then if you read through again, that was the controller of the four classics. If you read Pyre the Striker um, and Scorch the Supporter and and Warden the Defender. Um, they're all just as well written for like those like archetypal like classes. Yes. Um, 
but I did not pick one of those. I picked one of the bonus kind of like and I think after. Actually, that's perfect because we picked one of the ones that's very archetypal, that's very like familiar to us. And now we'll pick one that, I mean, we've all experienced something like it, but for you edgelord boys, yeah. you know, for you, for you yeah. guys who want to, you know, we're all black all the time and be, be upset. There. <laughs> Listen, I'm 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 too old to be an edge lord now, but you never fully let it go. You know what I mean? I mean you're never too old to be an edge lord. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not I'm not. Trust me, I'm not as bad as I was ten years ago. Um, <laughs> but I like all of these in ones, obviously, because Pox is really cool. Um, uh, Pox is basically like a plague spreader, which is cool. Right. He uses viruses and shit, <clears throat> which I really really enjoy. Um, I mean. Like the Patient Zero Supernova. Again, read it if you want it. Get the book at the thing. Um, it's really cool. Obviously, I love Grimm as well. Um, Grimm is designed uh, basically as a necromancer. They literally raise the dead as thralls. Super fucking cool. Love Sorry, that. Sorry, what? I, uh, that's a great one. You had to read the whole book, man. And the I art read... is gorgeous. And, uh, I there's these like the floating... Art. Oh, no, oh, yeah. I didn't read Grimm because I thought you were going to do Grimm. I was oh, like, yeah, no, 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 no. Had to go Sanguine. Had to go Sanguine. That one's very... I like so the Drifter cool. as well. Oh, my God. The Drifter's cool, but yeah. the Grimm art, going back to it, there's these, like, floating lights that look like swords, and then they actually are, like, stabbed through, like, yeah. people walking behind the exosuit, so they look kind of like quasi-zombie exosuit-ish. Such a cool piece of art. Um... But yeah, Drifter's really, really cool. It's exactly what you think it is. Um, it's an old school, like, shoot 'em up. I mean, it literally has, like, six shooters in their hands. It's, like, Cade 6, straight up, fucking Drifter. Um, and all the abilities are, like, hip fire and stuff like yeah. that. Um, there's the one that I'm going to go over, so I'll skip that for a second. And then the final of the classes is called the Infernal, which is probably the most, like, OP-ish. Look at this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's yeah, an absolute monster. Dude, and the art is just absolutely stunning. I mean, it's got all <laughs> of these like floating. It's hard to even describe it. It's just badass. Like it's definitely got this quasi demon exo suit situation. Um, and it basically said demon uh, infernal locks down the battlefield, condemning denizens of the dusk with fire and brimstone. Super badass. It has names like damnation and hellfire and banish. And it's just really cool. Um, I almost went with that one, but I went with sanguine instead. Cause I'll tell you at the end of the day, I'll always go with blood and vampire stuff. Um, so the sanguine, That's another I beautiful, I do respect that choice, you know? Oh yeah. Another beautiful piece of art. Um, and what's really cool. It's got this like kind of blood splatter looking effect across a lot of it. And uh, all of the character art has some piece of like glowing light tech on it. It looks like, um, and the sanguines are these claws, these glowing red claws that are just stunning. And there's this like cloak wrapped around it. It's really badass. So um, for the sanguine, sparks are able to regularly refuel in the dusk by breaking down their enemies, but only one can completely repair themselves. The sanguine spark drains the life force from those out in the dusk, ripping it from their bodies and using it to fuel their own macabre powers. Just no vampire jokes. They've heard them all already. Um <laughs> As a sanguine, you toe the line between supporting your fellow squad mates and dealing devastating damage with your blood blade. You rest easy knowing that your spark will always come back in a blood-fueled fury. Of course I picked this one. So the passive on this is yeah, called Bloodborne. This is so the one that you would fucking pick, you know? Of course it is. Of course I don't know why I thought you were going to do Grim or something else. I think you, you told me there was a couple you were thinking about, and I was like, he's going to do Grim. 
Yeah, I think I think my favorite if I if if I had to pick a top three, um, it would be Grim, Sanguine, and Inferno. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Um so the passive uh ability for this is Bloodborne. Your blood is just another resource to you. You may spend one health when using a power to activate its blood effect. I love nice. and the other reason is like in all of the games that I play, like I don't generally like um I don't play those four like uh of the four classic types i i think i always try to find the one that's like not one of those so like right. i love blood like i love blood mages and stuff like that like i love blood magic and stuff like midgard has really great blood magic i love the concept of like hurting yourself to hurt others more kind yeah. of thing and that's exactly what this is um so with the blood born ability you use health um when using a power to activate a blood effect instead of just your fuel so you use one fuel and one health, and you can use a bonus effect. So the four um, active powers are transfusion, uh, life, like all things can be traded away. Choose two targets close to each other. You transfer one health from one to the other. And with the blood effect, you transfer health equal to your son instead. Interesting. So it says two targets. So what I'm thinking is if there's a bad guy next to an ally... Yeah, I can and the transfer. Bad guy's the ally. I'm like, it's not anymore, bro. <laughs> yeah. So if I if I use one power and one health, I can send my son's worth of health from the bad guy to the good guy. So hurt myself to help others. Uh, siphon, pull the life force right from your foes. Deal one harm to one enemy within close range and gain one health. Blood effect affects all close enemies. So if I deal one harm to all close enemies, I get health back. I get one health back from all those enemies. So if I'm surrounded by three, boom, three health. Um, and I used one, so I get two. Jesus, man. Right? Yeah, you're like, yeah. Uh, blood blade, lash out with whirling talons made of your own blood, which is in the art. I like that. Um, lose one health and deal one harm to every enemy within close range. And with the blood effect, I deal harm equal to my shade instead. So if I lose two health... Um, ideal harm equal to my shade to all of close enemies um, and cauldron uh, burst into a swarm of bats and move to any location within far range Very deal vampire. one harm to all close enemies at the location and blood effect deal harm equal to your moon this is probably the only ability that i'm not the biggest fan of because there's parts in the book where it's just like don't worry about the science. It's fine. But an exosuit bursting into a swarm of bats, I can't think of science that really makes that work for me. Um, it's cool as fuck. It's cool as yes. fuck, and I'll take it. Because this, I think, fits more into, like, the horror aspect of it. And there is a part of the right. gym section where he says, like, you could definitely push this into a horror section to go with it. Um... But that one does where I'm just like, it's, well, it's cool like as the, shit. Don't get me infernal, wrong. The Infernal's, like, supernova ability is, like, yeah, everything around you gets dragged to hell. Uh, yeah. or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, I'll take it. Listen, it's cool as shit. I'll take it. But that was the one that I was just like, that one's just a bit of a stretch more than the other ones. Um, and then the supernova ability for the same one is the undead. You lock down surrounding yourself with a steel coffin. There's no effect on death, but you resurrect at the start of the next round without requiring aid from an ally. You activate siphon when you do. Doing this uses your action, and you may only move on your turn. So normally, when you hit zero hit points, you immediately go supernova, and you have this badass ability, but it takes an ally's action to revive you. With Sanguine Supernova, uh, you activate on your own, and you activate siphon when you come back. So anything around you, you can pull health in. So if there's anyone around you when you come back, boom, you got health. 
So, um, and then persistent mods and power mods. I'll just pick my top two from both, just like you did. Um, da, 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 da. I'm not gonna pick the first two. Those are really easy. Uh, Reborn, gain the blood effect from Siphon with your Supernova. Uh, so the blood effect is it affects all close enemies, not just one. Um, and then mobile grave, you may resurrect anywhere within near of where you died. Don't you just resurrect right where you died anyway, though? Did you mute yourself, bro? No, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can chat. change your positioning, essentially. Oh, okay. Uh, th those are mutes in the chat for you. I just threw this, those mutes out there. Um, <laughs> and then the power mods. Um, probably, I love refreshing. Um, if you kill with Siphon, you may immediately activate another power. You must still nice. pay the fuel to do so, Ooh, right? Really? Right? You just chain the power. Hell yeah. Um... Uh, the, both of the last two are really cool. I'll just talk about them both. So Honed Blood, lose any number of health to deal that number of harm with Blood Blade. So you can basically sack as much as you want, but like cool. you can siphon and immediately comes back. Warpath is cool. Cauldron, which is when you turn into bats. Right. But again, I don't know why it's called Cauldron. It should just be called like Swarm or something. Regardless, um, Cauldron deals one harm to all enemies in the movement path. So turn into a swarm of bats and anything in your path deals... Uh, um damage one harm on the way and then also the damage at the end so yeah love me some sanguine it's really cool um and those are the sparks that's all of them um really cool i love them again i love that there are the four standard kind of like archetypes and then like another four like super not all edgelord drifter's <laughs> not drifter's not drifter's not um but but yeah, um, did you want to take a quick break before we hit into the rest of uh, rest Absolutely. of the stuff? Cool. All right. So then we will be back in just one moment, everybody. And never coming uh, back. Ever. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Weekly Scroll Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, do us a favor and give us a nice rating or review on whatever podcast service you're listening on. You can check out all of our info on our website at theadventurearchive.net. You can also find us on Instagram at the.weekly.scroll, where we post our game review scores, Kickstart the Podcast recaps, and info about upcoming episodes. We're also active on Twitter at weekly underscore scroll. You can watch the VODs of all our episodes, as well as all of our actual play games on our YouTube at The Adventure Archive, or even catch us live on Twitch every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Central. And now, we'll get back to our episode. Hello, and we are back on the Weekly Scroll podcast here, reviewing Nova from Gil RPG's uh, Spencer Campbell. And, and we're obviously enjoying this so far. I don't know if y'all can tell, yeah. this is one of those episodes where we're reading it, and we're like, it's just fucking cool, bro. It's a it's good cool. idea. It's I like cool. this. I, I like this. <laughs> Um, the next part we're going to go over is Flare. Um, every spark fits a personality of their pilot. When a pilot decides which spark calls to them, they program them to fit their methods. The Flare system is a collection like of mods that can be earned. Flare, you know? That's what, dude, that's all I could think about the whole time. I'm like, <laughs> I love this. It's, I love it. But like Flare, all I think of is just like being able to like, just like the exosuit with like suspenders just sticking the, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Anyway, but yes, so the flare system is basically a collection of mods, um, and that's pretty much all you get for um for like advancement it's just unlocking yeah. more more mods we talked about it a little bit earlier with those two types um and we did discuss them a little bit already there's persistent mods which are ongoing passive benefits um like health fuel and and things that bump your attributes um and then there's power mods which are applied directly to powers increasing their effectiveness um so basically you start with um two type or how many do we start with per character I've already forgotten. I'm scrolling up right now. Hold on. I got it. I think it's I think it's two. Maybe yeah, I think it's more. two too. Um as Sparks unlock more flare mods, they will note them on their sheet. The collection shows all the mods that they have access to. Two each or two total? Uh two total. Two flare mods. Choose any two flare yep. mods and have them to your character sheet. Uh yeah. Uh and then you can um swap out and install mods at the beginning of a mission. Um, and then that's what I said already, the advancement. The flare system is how Sparks advance your characters. After a mission, you unlock one flare mod for your class. Basically, every mission, you get a new mod. Um, and unlocked mods should be added to the character sheet for reference. So we talked about this before, you you know, and we were just saying that there are just a shitload of mods. It looks like there's about one, two, three, four, five, six, um, seven, eight, nine, about ten uh persistent and 10 power mods and you get one you get two total so there's 20 to pick from you get two total so you could theoretically go on 18 missions before you unlock all of your mods and then there's so many different ways to um put the passive and power mods together to build yeah. entirely new um builds and that's one thing that um i know you know destiny is a game that i do enjoy that it's a looter shooter but d1 the classes were much more uh they had a lot more going on and you could create different yes. builds and change how the class Are worked a little bit more destiny 2 wasn't that good no it sucks um but uh <laughs> that's really fun. but i liked it better when you could when you can mix and match and create different kind of yes. subclasses almost within your class and this kind of gives you that ability to mix and match your mods persistent and power to almost build subclasses within the exos because you, you and I could build two completely different Voyagers that run completely yeah. differently, really easily. Yeah, mine will be better. Mine will actually be good. Yeah, because so. yeah, you're a good controller. I'm, I'm, I'm a bloody boy. That's what <laughs> I got to go with. Um, do you want to take session zero? Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm only, I'm, um, yeah, yeah. Session zero, during your first session of play, of playing Nova, uh, you may want to spend some time establishing details about the setting in order to ground your mission and campaign in a world that you know. Uh, you don't need to go through all of these steps during session zero, uh, but you and your group should always discuss expectations before jumping into a game. Um, establish your safety tools. Um, we are all about safety tools. Uh, we'll usually read big detail because they're always in every game. In the first like eight episodes, we did read in the detail about safety tools, but read your safety tools, talk about stuff with your players. There, there should be a discussion we should, you should know what your players are comfortable with, even if you've known them for years. If you're sitting at a table with them, you should know where the line is for stuff. Um, and if you are going to do like a dark horror setting that's going to be horrifying and have a lot of really dark elements, you should touch base with your crew and be like, hey, here's what I'm thinking about putting in my game. How do you feel? Um, but yeah, safety tools, fantastic. Uh, campaign length and GM role. A typical session of Nova can be as short as an hour. Um, and I think that's fucking sick. Um, and it's meant to be captured uh, to capture the excitement of going on a dangerous mission and then wrapping up. Uh, there is no official length of a campaign for Nova, 
but your group should discuss how long you want to play the game. You may find that you all have different expectations and you will want to make sure you're on the same page. Um, once you will, or sorry, one of you will need to be the GM each session, though that doesn't have to be the same person every time. Given the mission focus of uh, style of Nova, each session can have a different person as a GM. Um, and I think that's fucking awesome. Like you can really easily round table this game, you know, um, and you won't be stuck being the forever GM because, you know, I know a lot of us like to be the forever GM, but you know, I don't. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's really cool. I think um, the discussion on length is also really important. I, I don't know how often anyone actually does that because I forget to very often, but a lot of times players want to play much longer or much shorter than I do because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to play a two-year campaign. You know that I'm in a over two-year campaign right now, right? I, I know, and I, you know, and I've been more power to I, you, buddy. Here's the thing: I can't wait for it to end. I'm very excited to be done. I love it. It was great. <laughs> two years is too long. I would consider doing a year campaign if I didn't have to be the GM. Period. Yeah. 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 yeah right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Um, creating your sparks. Um, if you haven't already done so, you should build your spark. Duh. Um, process making the characters very quick. Build you create your character. We already know we're creating your character. Um, we'll go over to the next page to create your city. Um, I do love the city art though at the bottom of that city page. City art it is, is fucking uh, cool. Oh, uh, yeah. And you can see the uh, sun shard like sticking out. Dude, of the that ex oh, exactly. I yeah. Oh, like all throughout the city. The sun charge is going up, and you can imagine the sun wells underneath because all yeah. the city is built around the sun wells at the base of these sun shards, and the size of the cities are based on the sun shards. So you see these three massive sun shards shooting up into the sky, and clearly a decent-sized city based on the size of these shards. Like, so, like, it's, it's, I, I love, first of all, that the artists, it's not like, uh, like, it was clearly designed for this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's no public public domain art or anything like that, which is totally fine. But for this, it's like, this is so specifically, like, exactly what you expect. So, I love it. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, creating your city. Uh, now you've made sparks and have met each other. Um, we kind of skipped over, but there are some, like, there's a greeting part under the creating your spark, how to greet each other. But you all have talked. You've been people before. Um <laughs> You've been people before. You've been people before. Uh, you should discuss the city that they're based out of. Every spark squad is assigned to a city, um, and establishing some facts about the location will help personalize the missions you go on. You don't need to figure out everything during session zero, which is a good rule for pretty much any game you play. Uh, just get a baseline of the city and build it up over time. Um, and that's a great way to pretty much do anything if you play tabletop games. You don't need to create every detail the moment you start playing the game because your characters are going to dictate a lot of those details. Um, so... Yeah, um, start by deciding how large the settlement is. Sprawling metropolis, uh, metropolises, uh, metropolises uh, can be found wrapped around the large sun shards while smaller shards create a smaller and more intimate town. What size city are you located in? What's its name? I can see this. You can almost establish a Western, like, horror. Like, by, like yeah, I, we're a small town around a shard. And you're the fucking sheriff, you know, just dealing with these like dark of the world horrors. I don't know. No, I, that's how I, Nova, I Nova that. Casket Land. Yeah, Nova Casket Land. Yes, absolutely. You could easily do that. And that, drifters, dude, you just run four drifters. 
Everyone's a fucking drifter. Everyone's a drifter. Uh, um, all right, next, establish some of the key people, factions, and other organizations in the city. Go around and have each spark describe one uh, one person that they know. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I know a guy. A great, yeah, it's the I know idea. a guy. I love the um, I know a yes. guy. Yes. I know a guy is an optional rule to add to everything, even if it's not in that thing. Um, because yeah, I, and I know a guy is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that, is, uh, that is personally connected to their pilot and important to the city in each way. Um, after, uh, after, have each spark describe one influential faction or organization that they're connected to. Fuck yes. I am very about this collaborative thing uh, because it helps ground characters and helps your player characters care about the world and the game because they're intrinsically tied to it. Um, with each person and group established, players should feel free to ask follow-up questions. You don't need to have all of the details, but you'll find the connections to uh, one another and a city build, city building as uh, these people are further explored. Um, fuck yeah, super cool. I like. I know a lot of game systems that we all start in don't necessarily push for this type of collaborative play um, or collaborative world building, um, but you should. If you are a game master, especially a new game master, let your player characters decide details. Let them make up people that they know, two or three or one or whatever, and a faction that they have some sort of dealing with because it'll keep you from having to do everything, which is maybe the most important part. And then second, they will, they're tied to the world now and they have a stake in stuff. You know, It's their world as well. Um, also, being a game master should be a fucking fun activity and not a chore. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Well, and, and like you just said, like, it's just those two things. Like, don't make yourself do all the work and make your players invested. It makes your job so much easier across the board, yeah, and that's exactly so it. Yeah. Cool. Um, the dusk. <clears throat> uh, while the dusk itself is largely unknown, the Sparks have some experience with it. Have each Spark describe a recent or memorable mission they have gone on, um, <laughs> and what did they see out in the dusk? Fantastic. Continue with the collaborative thing. Really into this. As a group, discuss which elements of the dusk you've, you're most interested in exploring. Do you want to focus on mapping and tracking the shifting wastelands, establishing convoys and trade lines between the few remaining cities, or even seeking out the lunar shards um, to do that uh, with to do with what you will? Um, very cool. I'm I'm still very much into this. You know, um, first mission. You're all ready to go on your first mission. You'll find rules for creating and running missions in the next section. Uh, Ryan, you want to do missions? So, missions. Uh, Sparks is deployed on missions to defend the remaining sun shards and the last havens of humanity. Basically, there's a lot of different missions, um, uh, but each mission has three phases. Briefing, deployment, and debriefing. Basically... It does a little bit. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, very much so, actually. So yeah. basically, you get to you get to hear about the mission edge, you get to go on the mission, and then you get to talk about the mission at the end. So um, briefing is when the GM presents the mission, and the GM and players work together to determine the stakes, which is something I really like. Um, it includes the, the briefing includes the essentials. So uh, the location, enemy factions, and primary objective. Um, after doing so, the GM asks the Sparks two questions to set the stakes of the mission. What will the city gain if the mission is successful? And what fallout will the city face if the mission fails? I really like that. But it's not just like a it's not just like a go do this thing just cause. Like there's actually 
stakes involved, which are really yeah. important, especially in a game like this, because realistically, there's nothing else that you're really fighting for. There's no yes. gold. There's no XP. There's no real advancement. So the story is what you have to build investment with. And we've already talked just a second ago about how you collaboratively build the world together so that since it's the world that you built with people that you know slash created in it, the fallout will affect you and you and your creations, which which is, you know, the stakes will, which is great. I just think this is such a good way to tie it all in. Um, once the stakes are set, the sparks may change any of their installed flare mods. Um, and then that's it. You can only change your mods before or after missions. You can't do them on a mission. So your mods are your mods when you head out. Um, once everyone has their flare mods in place, it's time to deploy. Um, deployment is where most of the gameplay takes place. It's literally the mission that you go on. That is what deployment is. It's playing the game. Um, and then in debriefing, the sparks regain all of their health and fuel. Um, they advance, improving the character, which is basically just getting more mods. Um, and then you can reflect on the outcome of the mission. Um, you first look at the stakes that were established during briefing. If the mission was a success, take some time to collaboratively describe what success looks like. So what changes can be found? How can the people of the city have been affected by this mission? If it was a failure, how is that reflected in the city? How are the sparks perceived when they return? Um, after the stakes are addressed, the sparks may spend some downtime in the city um, piloting sparks is hard and dangerous work and then want to decompress after that intense session. I like the idea of running, you know, like if you're doing like a three hour session, you know, it might take 20, 30 minutes to sit down, stop bullshit and get to your briefing, do your mission an hour, hour and a half and have at least like 30 minutes at the end to like debrief. And then yeah. I, I would love at the end of every session to just like, like I would like to have, if I were going to do this, like a bar in the city. And like at the <laughs> yeah, end of each totally. mission, like go to the bar in the city and just like in character, just bullshit. Maybe even crack a real beer at the table. And it is like not only debrief in game, but like kind of debrief in and out of game kind of yeah. and like have like a wind down to the end of the session. I can imagine that like being like a routine thing at the end of everyone just being like cool, like like not only like goodbye, like if you're leaving the game, like leaving the person's house, almost do it in character kind of, and just be like, when you head out from the bar, you just kind of go kind of situation. I think that'd be really cool. Um, in this time between missions, Sparks have the opportunity to reflect on their work. Um, there are no rules for downtime, um, but um, some things you might do between missions. There's a good list here. Help the locals gather intel, customize and work on your Spark, connect with friends and family, blow off steam or make the city more like home. Um, again, I, I really like that. I think it's really well done. Um, and then creating missions is is pretty cool. There's a lot of cool role tables here. So um, GMs use the following tables and guidelines for creating their own missions, rolling the tables to randomize them. Um, so uh, there are three zones in the dusk. Uh, the first decision is deciding which zone of the dusk the mission is taking place in. Um, you can roll a d6 if you want. One to two is the crimson, three to five is the dusk, and six is the umbral. So the crimson, this is kind of like, I, I kind of would define these as like easy, medium, and hard missions. Uh, I think they're in the book there to find that too. There's even like yeah. stage levels of health, like pools for bad guys. So the crimson is the area just beyond the light of the city. Um, as in there's still a little bit of light as in crimson um it is the least dangerous to explore the cities with an eyesight 
Um, and most of the, the big bads know that this ain't the place to be. Um, the dusk is the biggest part of the, uh, the darkness. Um, and it is where, uh, most of the battle like takes place beyond the city. Uh, voyagers regularly come out of this region to attempt to map it. Um, but the dusk is always shifting. And then there is the umbral. Uh, it is a region that few are even aware of. It's the deepest part of the dusk, the unmapped regions, and it represents the most dangerous part of the world. The place the sparks rarely travel to. Um, it is dangerous and unpredictable missions at best and a living nightmare at worst. Um, and it even says it here. Yeah, zones also provide a recommended difficulty for locations. Um, basically, you can... Yeah, right? So there's no dice rolled for the health on this, which I love. I'm a huge fan of that. The All of the enemy health is just assigned. So with this, you can actually create a pool of health units. You can almost like do like a like a like a point by arm like units basically, yeah. uh, and then put them like scatter them throughout your mission. So mm -hmm. it recommends the health pool for Crimson Mission bad guys is fifty, uh, Dusk is seventy five to one hundred, and Umbral is one hundred and twenty five or more. Uh, again, I think that's a really cool way to do it. I think because you're not going to die in this game. Um, yeah. Having these... And if you notice, like, Dusk is 75 to 100, and Umbral is only 125. It's not that much more. Right. Um, but I feel like you can just get bigger... You can buy in bigger bad guys with that, which yeah, makes more interesting battles. Like, yeah, you're going to have a fucking uh, mega boss, boss at the end of one of them, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, and then there are I'm four... Make, I'm going to make Umbral 125 health is all going to go to one. <laughs> one guy. Exactly. One ultra, one ultra baddie, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, mission types. There are four primary types of missions. Assault, Recon, Supply, and Support. Um, those are all pretty self-explanatory. Don't really need to go over those. Um, so then you get to these roll tables that are really cool. Again, I wish you could click on these uh, to cross-reference. Um... So you can roll a d6 for a mission type. Uh, one is assault, two is recon, three is supply, four is support, five is GM's choice, six is roll twice, use both. Love that. Um, then there are enemy factions that you can roll that we'll go over here shortly. Hellions, Corvus Dominion, Haze Dwellers, Lunar Cultists, roll again plus an elite, or roll twice, use both. Um, love that. Uh, and then a big chunk of the book is, is making missions, and I really like that. And I really um, like it. It's, they give you a lot of really cool tools. They lay out like what the different types of missions would look like and what, you know, I, I really like this. I like that it takes a lot of the plan. I like, I love being a GM. Don't get me wrong, but fuck, I hate planning all. I spend all my time planning. And anything yep. that gives you tools is like, no, we're just going to take a bunch of the time away from your planning and just give you tools. Amazing. And this gives you really great tools for building everything, you know? You everything. You could roll everything about the mission because it even gives you like the 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 things that you can do on a mission. So you could literally yes. just basically all you would have to do is is just decide how much of the help pool is used at each location. That's about it. Yeah. It's great. And and again, because the players help you build the world when you start, and then you just basically roll the mission up, like you just said, rules light. Um, prep light game of just badassery digging it at like more and more yeah. not more and more we've already read it but yeah <laughs> um, so assault missions are the bread and butter of sparks um, the dust get filled with an endless supply of threats go fight stuff 
Um, and then again, it's a roll table for who you're attacking, which is, you know, all the factions that we talked about, Hellions, Corvus Dominion. There are assault variants, which are really cool. I like this too. Um, yeah. another D six, one to two is halt, which is prevent further enemy movement. Three to four is eliminate, which is remove the threat entirely. And five to six is expel, which is drive the enemy away. Really like the variants. Um, recon is exactly what it sounds like. You are going out and scouting important locations. Um, there's a D6 for what you're searching for, resources, locations, secrets, sun shards, enemy base, or VIP. Recon variants are monitor, which is stay hidden and do not engage. Um, infiltrate, which is stealth and priority, leave no trace. And five to six is uh, capture, which is locate an important faction. Again, like you, the, the, just rolling two D6s there, you could get a different recon mission every single time. Yes. And you're rolling to decide if it's even a recon mission. Um, supply missions, not all missions require you to forge deep into the darkest parts. Sometimes we work at home. Um, highly trained spark pilots are capable of great many things. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, what is this? <laughs> yeah. What does the city need? So basically you stay, you don't venture out into the crimson or the dusk or anything. You do things around the city. Um, mercenary work, negotiations, training, maintenance or repairs, pest control, communications. I like pest control because that could sound like something small and turn into something bigger, which is really cool. Yeah, like really that. good. <laughs> Um, so the variants are fortified to strengthen the city's defenses. I feel like the supply missions are a lot more RP based, which is, I'm totally down to have yeah, a full totally. RP session. Great way to break it up. Um, three to four is recover. An important item is lost and must be found. Uh, you are Naruto. Go get that cat. Uh, five to six relay requires movement of people or supplies. Um, and then the final mission type is support. A well-timed spark deployment can be the difference between life and death. In the dusk, sparks may find themselves helping a great many people in a great many places. So who are you helping? Nearby city, cherished place, your your city, enemy faction, wanderers, or other sparks. Um, and don't forget, <laughs> a, a spark, a group of sparks is assigned to each city. So your group is the sparks in that city. So if you run yeah. into other sparks, there are other sparks from other cities, which is cool. Um, I love that in video games, I hate the squirt missions but in tabletop rpgs i actually really enjoy them um yeah. they're much i don't know why they're less annoying in a ttrpg than like in a video game but they they are you know well because in the video game you you it's basically like any rp quote unquote in the video game is you just being like okay get me through the dialogue box get me through the dialogue box you know yeah but in this one you are the dialogue box so um the support variants are a convoy, um, which is extorting convoy, um, defense, which is protect protecting a location, or bolster, which is assisting an assailed party. I really like the bolster one. I like the idea of um, coming to a table and like sitting down like you're going to play. And then as a GM, I would just be like, but like right into the briefing, just be like, you got to go now. Like these people are under attack. Let's go. Let's go. And they're just like, fuck it. What are my flares? I'm picking these two and we're out. And you're literally like just shooting to like a group of sparks or something or nearby city that's already under attack. So this like assist and assailed party thing. I think that'd be a cool way to just like a hot start, like a hot yeah. drop. So the, the, the other thing that I really like about this is it's when when you're reading through a game and you can just be like, I can imagine this. I could totally see doing that. And I, so many parts in this have been like, dude, this I this is how I would do it. I love this. This is and, and that's a really cool way to do it. Um, next, we're getting into locations. Do you want to do you want to take your locations? Um, yeah. Uh, All right. Cool. Keep going. Doesn't matter. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I, uh, I've been quietly dealing with a with a work issue and no one's noticed. So. Oh, uh, no, I'm good. I actually just 
just finished dealing with it. Um, perfect. There you go. Um, fuck my job. Uh, not really. If you're listening to this and I work with you, I love my job. I actually do like it, but, um, location. (laughs) Well, it's just, it's not, I don't like it. It's just that it's always, it goes on all the time. Um, location is where the narrative of the mission takes place. Um, encounter the enemies are encountering uh, enemies is commonplace. Uh, location, location is two parts. One is a theme. Give the location the personality, um, as well, um, as moves, uh, for the GM to call on reinforcements, uh, the tone of the location. Wait, I read that weird. Uh, <laughs> give the location its personality as well as moves for the GM to call on to re- reinforce the tone of the location. There we go. I read that like a person. There you go. I- I've been a person before. <laughs> um, structure. Specific locations that can be explored, providing locales and scene prompts for the GM. Um, yeah. So create a place. Give it some features so you know what the place looks like and feels like. Um when creating locations for missions, you must consider the zone it is taking place in. Obviously, the three zones are much different in kind of their like feel. Um, each zone has a different combination of themes and structures. Um, Crimson missions take place near the city, and so I've simplified locations. A um, location here is made of a single theme and structure. Dusk missions require travel and navigation. They have a single theme but transition from one structure to another at some point um umbral missions i just like that's uh you know um missions uh create unexplainable situations uh for the sparks and so are a combination of two themes um and a single structure um yeah so it actually it has a nice little table here crimson is theme plus structure dusk is theme plus structure transition structure umbrals theme plus theme plus structure um themes themes provided the yeah, themes for the personality and tone of the location. Each theme has a list of moves that the GM may use at any time during the mission to reinforce the feel of that location, which is a fantastic tool. A uh, fantastic tool for describing stuff, especially on days where you might be a tired GM and like being creative is kind of hard to do, you know, which has happened to all of us. You don't have to, fight. they'll give you fucking stuff to deal with. Um, yeah. So, theme table. I don't think we really rolled very much this episode. Do you want to roll? Do you have a dice roller up? Sure. I can roll. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it takes me half a second to get a dice roller. Oop, there it is. Uh, D6. Uh, D6. It's going to be a four. So four. Oop. We've got ravaged. Um, so we're going to go down to the ravaged table. Um, wave of destruction. Um, so, you know, uh, we've got ruined, defile, scream, hunt, trample, Oop. and reap. Let's see. Um, I got a five. Trample. A trample. Um, yeah, so this wave of destruction, whatever it is, tramples the ground before you, you know, or like however you would describe it. It's just descriptive words, you know. Um, I love that yeah. they're so good, and and they they're all good. dark, like like the t- like pale, fortified, wild, ravage, radiant, grotesque, and then more words within that. Like you can easily. This is what I'm talking about. Like instead of starting from scratch, being able to just be like, give me a little something and I'll run all day with it. And this is the perfect example of it. Yeah, in Crimson, if if we were in Crimson right now, right? And we rolled Ravage and Trampled, you'd be like, yeah, the trampled ruins um, mm-hmm. of previous human cities stretch out before you as the light fades behind you. It's like, fuck it, cool, perfect, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think it's cool too because I think tools like this do enough for you but they don't do too much, if that makes sense. Like, you, exactly. still have to, you still have to be creative if they give you a word. They didn't give you a sentence. You know, they gave you a theme, a word. Um, and I it's like a little that. seed. A little seed. Yes. Yeah. You're like, okay, cool. How am I going to use this, you know? Um, yeah. 
Cool. Um, structures. Um, structures provide you with specific uh, locales for the action to take place in while on a mission. Roll 2d6 or choose from the list to determine where the sparks are as they move throughout the location. You want to go ahead? Yeah, I got a one and a six. Underground factory. Mm-hmm. And then six. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, I got to roll a six. So I got the one and then I got to roll another 2d6. I got a six and a three. So that'd be nine. Uh, warehouse. So you are in an underground a warehouse in an underground factory. It's dark. Oh. It's cold. The sun's light has left. There's, it's totally silent everywhere. And it's devastated. You know? Very cool. Great section. Fantastic. Every game should have tools like this. And, you know, it's nice because a lot of these third-party indie games that we go over um, do have these tools. And it's weird because a lot of the bigger games don't. <laughs> or they do have them. Yeah. In a separate $60 book. You know um, you know what? They do have a marketing budget. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I and 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 just the again, it's six to start, Underground Factory, Metropolis, Old Sunwell, Stronghold, Tangle, and Tundra. And fucking well, it's not it's not what how many numbers is 2D6? I guess it would be eleven, right? Because there's just no one. Eleven options for each one of those. So that's sixty-six options right there just in structures just different structures you could be in right i mean maybe math is dumb but six times 11 i mean that's yeah. so many it is so many you wouldn't even think but like how like if yeah like honestly if i wanted to play this tonight mm-hmm. i could play this tonight like if i wanted to yeah. get a group together and play it tonight even if they were newer yeah. player characters we could play it tonight mm-hmm. um yeah. it would take us maybe 30 minutes to set up the set up yeah. the uh, game and while they were building characters i would just start rolling dice and just build yeah. the scenario right there using this and i would never fucking worry about it you yeah. know the hardest thing about uh, this entire game i think would just be like how much time you want to put into the maps and that's it yeah. because there's no specific moments you don't need any any movement you don't need a grid and you could roll the enti- you could roll up the entire thing and probably actually taking notes and really getting it down Less than half an hour. I would say yeah. half an hour and is probably honestly, what I do myself. Like I, you know, for certain games, because sometimes I play real sparse with certain groups where we're just like we just we only have dice and paper and pens, and then maybe I might have a couple images to pull up, and everything else is just verbal. This is a great game for that, you know. Like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't need, if you have an imaginative group and you are good enough at describing stuff, and this gives you tools to be good enough at describing stuff, like I'm not yeah. gonna fucking do. The no, only time. The only time that I would really move into more, uh, so this one, I, I think I would probably try to do more maps and stuff just because of things like the Voyager, where the positions on the battlefield kind of matter. Right. And like, even yeah. like Cauldron with Sanguine, like things along the path, I would probably, but you don't need to do anything crazy. Literally, you don't even need like a crazy map. Like, even if you just had like, just literally a white nothing with just tokens that say bad guy and good guy on it that would be yeah. plenty just for your positioning and then just have images all over the thing or you can go balls to the wall and like you know build space maps and shit like that but you wouldn't need hardly anything yes. outside of you know and if you're going to play online anyway you could literally just open freaking like any any like shared blackboard or well 20 if you really want um and just throw a token on there. So easy. And like you just said, yes. 30 minutes prep and you could run it tonight. And I'm about that. I like, you know, I, I used to write so much and prep so much. And now I'm like, 
if I can play no. with you guys and just like, I want to do, you know, I don't want to do as much work as I've done in the past. I, I, because it makes being a GM less fun um, mm-hmm. because it becomes homework and a chore and you're doing more than anyone at the table by a large amount. And this takes mm-hmm. so much off of you for that, frankly, like dude, dude, I have so many, I have so many pre-built maps for space stuff. I could just yeah. throw in like yeah. ruins. I'm just going to throw something down. Easy peasy. Yeah. Well, yeah. And again, other bigger, more marketed games, they really, no matter how many times they say, don't do this, when the, when the rules and the way a game works reinforces that, it reinforces just, just, it. just someone saying hashtag DM tip, don't do this, doesn't fucking help you at all. So like having a game that actually is rules light, which is great for the players to, to jump in easy and prep light, lets you just play the fucking game. Yeah. You know, and like you just said, like a play, a GM shouldn't be the only source of creating the fun and should actually have fun doing it as opposed to having fucking homework. So, 100%. Enemies. 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 Yeah, so there are a lot of enemies and they're divided up um, in, a, in a few different ways. You know, divided by, uh, by, by stuff and things. Yeah, Uh, just is no shortage of threats hidden away in the shadows. Beyond the light of the sun shards, humans on their path, animals changed by the environment, a menace from beyond our system, a group group worshiping the moon um, are just some of the enemies the sparks will face. (coughs) Sorry. Um, (coughs) Oh, God, that wasn't fake. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I went to a bar last night where they like, were smoking outdoors and I was standing out there and I don't smoke cigarettes. Let me tell you, harsh, harsh, gross. bro. Uh, yeah, gross. Um, I had to wash my clothes um, and my face. Um, enemies have the following characteristics, though they might not have all of them. Health, uh, which they probably will have. Uh, um, how much harm they take before dying. Harm and range, the amount of damage done to, uh, to the target's health. Um, at what range? Moves. Moves. Um, keywords, special rules, or effects, variants, optional alternative versions of the enemies with noted changes. Uh, there's a nice little example of a lunar heretic. I love that in a world that is fueled by sun shards, the bad guys are moon cultists. Um, yep. Yep. You know, moon cultists That's are everywhere. It. Classic fantasy and, uh, and post-apocalyptic... Uh, solar settings oh uh, yeah moon's haunted moon's haunted dude yeah uh <laughs> the lunar heretic here as you can see here has one health um and it does one harm at near range um acolytes at the beginning of their journey on the pale path they push uh the limits of enlightenment with inhuman fervor um their moves are wield moonlight eclipse sunlight um pray to the pale one um, expire, uh, inflict three harm uh, at close range. Um, during a GM's turn, Spencer, the GM, activates one of the lunar heretics. Spencer describes the lunar heretic conjuring a beam of moonlight and firing it towards Kate's Pyre Spark, um, who is at a near range. Uh, Pyre takes one harm from the lunar heretic's action. Later, on Kate's turn, she cuts down the lunar heretic which co- activates its expire keyword, dealing three damage to aim at close range. So expire is one of the keywords, um, and it, this lunar heretic has one. I feel like keywords are the one thing 
that is are super optional because a lot of them are not gonna have keywords because it's essentially a special ability. And if we're in a situation where I want you to just mow down some cannon fodder and on an epic battle, they're probably not gonna have a keyword. They're probably well, yeah. just gonna Oh yeah. Well a lot of the lower ones don't. I mean, you yeah. know, and then when we get so elites is next and elites have like a huge yes. list of keywords. Well, there's also the list of keywords at the bottom here too. Oh um, yeah, here it is. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, having said that, moving on to hit elites, um, elites are elite y'all, um, elites are the most dangerous enemies. Uh, the sparks will face out in the dust. Uh, these would be considered boss enemies in many other games and represent a final foe. The sparks might face when trying to topple one of their enemy factions. Elites function using the same mechanics as regular enemies with a few additions, right? They've They're going to have ads. They're going to have followers of listed enemies that always accompany the elite when they're encountered. Uh, these are most loyal followers and will defend them with their lives. They're going to have a lair uh, with specific theme themes and structures where the elite is located, as well as possible additional complications that can be found here. Um, and commands, ongoing effects or moves the elite provides to their allies through a fight, providing them with bonuses to make the fight more challenging. Um, love it. Love it. Yeah, I do too. Great stuff. It also... If so, everything is in this fucking book is so simple and so easy to understand, yep. and it makes so much sense, and you're like, yeah, totally, this is exactly what this would be in this situation. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, then we uh, have the uh, keywords list, like you were just saying. Go yeah. ahead. No, did you want to pick... How many are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's like 13. Do you want to pick one or two, and I'll pick one or two of my favorites? Um, I actually... Expire is maybe one of my favorites because you're going to kill these enemies, period. Um, and having them all have an effect on them where they're essentially like, they might just chain a bunch of expire effects. You could really fuck up your sparks really bad. Oh, for sure. Know? Well, especially if the, does it, do the expire effect only hit sparks or is it all nearby things? Um, I would say if it says it inflicts three harm at close range and it doesn't say to, to enemies, Dude. I'm going to fucking say that. Yeah. I would, I would literally boss. just send like six dudes out with two. And then just the first time someone takes one down, it's like boom, 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 boom. Basically like, yeah. you know, the Suicide Squad. Um, I really like Disrupt. Um, prevent a spark from using a power or benefiting from a mod during their next turn, which is literally basically all they do. Yes, it's all, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all they do. Um, that's a really good one. Yeah, there's some, they're yeah. all very good. They add flavor. Yeah. I will say as we get through, there's other, there's like different types of enemies. And like where I would put these keywords is really dependent on those type of enemies. Um, and like the expire one, we're talking about the human bomb, the ne the first one that comes up, the Helions or whatever, where they're all yeah. fire themed. Those are the ones who I'm making Perfect. living explosives. You know. Um, well, do you yeah. want do you want to pick a faction, and I'll pick a faction. We'll just like tag one or two of the the things in it. Um. Yeah, I really uh mainly focused on the the helions when i came when the I hellion i think it's hellions, hellions. right is it hellions they're like hell yeah yeah, yeah. yeah whatever. go for it um, if you want to do hellions yeah i just you know they're they're kind of the most basic enemy but i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing um no not at all i'll, re I'll read the little blurb though when humanity returned to our scorched world there were some who decided to break away yeah. from the sun shards and yeah. efforts to rebuild these factions splintered and took to the dusk where they could hide and wait and hunt um i don't know why there's two ants there uh these raiders are driven by a desire to pillage whatever supplies they need attack weakened cities or vulnerable ca uh, caravans 
And so the locals took to calling them Hellions. Um, when Hellion may lack in technology, technological advances, uh, we've seen, especially when compared to the Sparks, they make up for in creative engineering and a complete disregard for their own safety. Uh, their equipment is slapped together with shoddy wiring tape uh, and tape, but that makes them all the more dangerous. Uh, travel into the dusk has always been dangerous, but the Hellions have made our home homes a target as well. Um, yeah, and this is a cool faction because I think the worst the worst monsters are people. You know, yeah. This is like raiders are the darkest and like dark. That shit can get dark, dark. You know, yeah, and this, this is a, kind of this is a pretty like not as heavy game so i don't know if i get that dark with it as i could but it's there it kind of reminds me of the re like a little bit of the reavers from from firefly a little bit i mean totally. i know they're all crazy but like when i think of like their tech that's all just kind of mm -hmm. like slapped together rusty bullshit that kind of gives me this yeah. vibe i was thinking the the bandits from borderlands you know those the fighting bands oh i never played borderlands you fucking nerd uh, Played Borderlands. I'm a nerd for not playing a video game. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, they've got their shock troopers, their basic. Uh, I'm going to go down to their elite, actually. Let's go to their elite. It's yeah. got this cool yeah, art yeah. next to it. Oh, yeah. Let me let me kick to the spreads here. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I apologize again. I'm in spreads. I'm a little, I'm a little spreads boy. There we go. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, Elite, Caro the Bloodied. 10 health, pretty good, right? Most things have one. So three harm for nearby that has two splash. So it fucking does splash damage, which makes sense for fire. Fire spreads. Um, Caro is a veteran of the dusk. She's managed to rally many of the Helion group under her banner. Her word is law. Uh, enforced by her loyal followers and trusty flamethrowers. She's got three moves. Unleash Hell, take all they have, and ignore collateral damage. <laughs> Brutal. She's got three carvers following her and five firebugs. Uh, Lair, the theme is always fortified. Makes sense. She has this very fortified, like, you know, like stronghold. Um Flamethrower traps are hidden throughout the structure, which is a huge fucking bummer. Um, commands, aura, all Helions gain one berserk, which is the one of the keywords from before. Uh, carvers gain flight. That fucking sucks. Firebugs gain wound. Uh, the spark takes one harm on their next action. So yeah, really buffs your enemies. I uh, I like her. I like bandits. I like fighting bandits. No, you know, she's badass. Well, she's got ten health. How many health does a carver have? Carvers have two. So that's six. And then firebugs. How many health do the firebugs have? have? Three. Oh, so that's plus 15 plus 10. So if you were to, so based on like the health pool, like fight and stuff like that, um, on the building shit earlier, if you do the elite that comes with all the bad guy followers stuff, that's 31 points. Yeah. So that is, if you did a crimson thing, you're pretty much just going to get her with maybe like some some guards on the outside a little bit, and that's it because that's over half of a crimson mission right there. Yeah, um, I lot. really like the blood drummer too. Oh yeah. In, oh yeah. This is a good name too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I help though, man. 
Yeah, five health, but it doesn't do any harm. Yeah, but other yeah. Helions gain flight. Yeah, feeds their rage, keep my distance, call for an execution. And then, yeah, because the flight ability means that uh, things can't be injured while in close range. Basically right. can't do fucking melee damage, which is insane. Um, I, gosh, if I'm going to pick a faction, I like, so, um, Spencer Campbell, Gil RPGs, really likes birds, from what I could tell yeah. from everything he tweets about. So, Corvus Dominion, I think, is definitely the, um, like, ode to birds in, <laughs> in Nova. Birds are fine. I like them. I, I like feathers and stuff. I think the Zircon is a really cool and the art is really great. The Haze Dwellers is neat. Haze Dwellers are basically... Oh, so I'm not going to go over them, but the Corvus Dominion are basically like... Um, humans weren't the only ones on Earth during the Nova event. An old adversary of ours from beyond the solar system has lingered, waiting for their moment. And that's these bird people. Um, the Haze Dwellers uh, are basically the random flora and fauna and creatures that live out in the dusk so you got wyvern broods and dusk fangs and devil toads the elites of gore fang um we talked about the lunar cult a little bit already um and that is while we were distracted by the hellions and corvus something whispered in the minds of those feeling hopeless we wouldn't know it for many generations but it was slow and insidious and their elite is actually a corrupted spark um cool. so cool honestly very cool like, yeah, so that's actually the one I'm going to go over a little bit. Um, basically, uh, where we began our research on the unlimited potential of the sun, others began to seek out the lunar shards, shattered remnants of our once-gleaming moon, now shattered by ink and starlight, and the so-called lunar prophets were sharing a belief to others, the pale path. Um, there's a larger design. We are cogs of grander machination. Um, soon, many would take pilgrimages into the dusk. Um, these rituals saw people being granted power matching our spark technology. So we already went over the lunar heretic, but there's also the umbral prophet, the dusk lily chemist, the moonstone paladin, and the umbral walker. Um, but the elite corrupted spark, 10 health, three close or two near or one far. Oh. Right? Um, and then the picture looks like this kind of like like busted down spark like with a cane yeah and i don't it still looks foreboding though you know what i mean yeah. like yeah I, um, what, about, what if you ran this game after running it for a while what if you flipped it and you ran a group of like lunar sparks that'd be dope it would be dope. That'd be cool that would be dope um, elite corrupted spark. Uh, the lunar cult has found ways to wrap and corrupt our sparks using moonstones from the lunar shards. Whether the pilot inside has fallen victim to the cult's machinations or the spike pilots itself now remains to be seen. So the moves are you wield a strange power, you reveal a twisted mortality, or you channel the pale one. Um, there are variants, uh, Grim, Pox, and Drifter. Um, so basically... Uh, the corrupted spark can be other types of spark. So if you're a grim variant corrupted spark, um, oh, that's a huge fucking bummer. <laughs> yeah, right. Summon a nightmare, uh, and a nightmare has one health and one harm close. Um, if you're a pox, you can weaken any attribute uh, two until next turn. Um, and drifter uh, with a wound, you go berserk one. 
Um, followers, two Lunar Heretics, two Umbral Prophets, and six Moonstone Paladins. Um, the Lair theme is always Pale. Um, Makes sense. And Weakened Sun, one. Yep. And then Commands, Lunar Prophets gain Expire. Woo! Restore two to Corrupted Spark. Um, and then Lunar Heretics can trigger their Expire as a move, causing them to die. Wow. So you can just decide to explode, which is fucking badass. That's awesome. So, yeah. Uh, they're, they give an example mission here. Um, we don't really need to go through yeah. that. If you want the example mission, buy the game. Buy the book. <laughs> buy, the book. <laughs> buy the game. Yeah. Um, and then the last 20 pages of the GM section. And I know you didn't really go over this, but um, I think we should hit some specific parts in it take that it, I really like. Take it away. We got, we got right. you know, we're a little ahead of schedule. So we are, which is great. Um, there's just some really, really good parts in here that I think are good advice for RPGs in general, but fit really well in the game. So, um, as the GM, your role alongside the players is to tell a story of powerful sparks on dangerous missions. Um, you pay, you play the enemy forces, blah, 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 blah. Expectations <laughs> and safety. We talked about that already. Um, setting in genre. Yeah. Nova is a sci-fi role-playing game at its heart, but there are plenty of opportunities to blend it with horror and fantasy elements. Um, and this is one of the parts that says, uh, you don't need to understand the science as the GM. Uh, much like we don't ask for theories explaining how our favorite science fiction shows and movies work, the technology in Nova just works. Um, you don't need, exactly what did you say? Like, you can just have cool shit happen and you don't need an explanation for it. Like, if you want some random bullshit out there that's like almost magic, you know, like you just talked about, like tech and magic is almost indistinguishable at a certain point. Just do whatever. Because like we talked about, uh, the cauldron ability where you just turn into bats doesn't really make sense, but guess what? It's cool. So just go with it. <laughs> yeah. um, not worrying about the city. Oh, uh, just bringing up death again. Sparks can't die. Like, and if you want to, um, if you want to have them die, make it cool. Uh, and then, oh, but the powers wording I really like. And this also um, works with the, um, the moves that the bosses have. So the phrasing for powers is left intentionally vague. Powers are opportunities for the sparks to feel badass. So use the loose writing to their advantage. For example, Scorch's Erupt doesn't have any rules on how it might affect the environment. But a forceful spark, a resourceful spark, may decide to use the power's fiery destructive nature to smash down some terrain. The other part is with the, again, the enemy's moves. So if we scroll back up real quick to the um, Corrupted Spark, the moves are you. wield a strange power, right? Reveal a twisted morality or channel the pale one. There are no rules for any of those There's things. No, it's just like, yeah, this is the super thing new. Yeah. But, but you can do whatever you want with it. And I really like that. It really says, that. encourages the vagueness of it. Yeah. Yeah. Fast combat, challenging players. So this is another part that we talked about. Nova is designed to be fast combat because many of the elements of the fight have been streamlined. A player's turn shouldn't be spent analyzing all the best options. They may also come to you with ideas that aren't entirely in line with the rules, but still highlight the powerful nature of the characters. Don't worry too much about the specific distant ranges. Keep the action flowing. Let the players keep going. Um, some players may struggle with this at first. That's totally fine. They'll get used to it the more that they play. Um, I'm good with that. I'm super yeah, absolutely. Good with that, you know? uh so here's another part instead of changing numbers change the way the enemies act um that's the purpose of the gm turn have the enemies act strategically forcing the players to quickly change their course of action 
In addition, add moves that allow the enemies to do multiple things during their turn. For example, at first an enemy soldier might take cover, but a more advanced and challenging enemy takes cover and opens fire. Um, designing missions, a lot of that's rolled. Don't really need to go over that a whole lot. Rewards, this is another part that's really important. It basically says there is no real advancement. You just get sparks. Um, there are no mechanical incentives in the game for completing missions. No currency, XP, or new gear. You literally just get sparks. Um, so um, you may be tempted to include some of this, especially new tech and gear, but I caution you against it because adding more levers and gears will likely slow down play. That makes um, sense. But it says, find ways to make the outcome of the missions meaningful without having to give them a mechanical gift. Part of that, I think, is building the city together and doing the whole I know a yes. guy thing creates investment. Um, have the players describe changes in the city after they come home, provide non-mechanical rewards found in the city. Access to the old earth archives is a fun idea that doesn't require rules behind it, but the players will probably want it. So build like story-based rewards and investment in the game because you don't get. Yeah. Because I mean, this game is the, like this game is not really about mechanics like it has mechanics, right? But it's about an experience. It's about having yes. these overpowered, like, like once again, like Lucia, like I know we want to compare it to Destiny like a bunch, but like, you know, it's a great, it's a good comparison. Like, you know, like it's about the story. Like you want to know what happens next. You're trying to get yep. stuff done. Like it doesn't really matter what happens to your character. Your character's already a fucking semi like demigod, you know? Yeah, they're fucking badass, like exoskeleton with flame blades. I mean, come on. I think to me, the game is not about what you get for completing. The, the reward is not what you. The reward is the friends we made along the way. Really, yeah, is what it is. It's not the. It's not the destination. It's the journey yes. that matters. You yeah. know. That well, that's that's literally though what I'm trying to say. It sounds cliche, but if you're playing a badass fucking exoskeleton, the reward I'm gonna get from playing this game is not what bullshit I get at the end of the mission during the debrief. It's how badass I was during the game. Like how badass your deployment was. And that's yeah. a rewarding experience to me as a player in the game, not as a character, is just how cool can I look on the mission, not what I get for completing it, you know? Um I'm into that. You know, it's yeah, it's fun to sure. play a game and be and be like, my character's a total fucking badass, and I did all this powerful shit. And you'd be like, Yeah, cool, absolutely. Fuck yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, principles. So basically the last part of the GM section for the most part says you're also playing the game. You are not solely responsible for fun happening at the table. Um, I'm going to actually go back to pages on this right here um, so we can zoom in a little bit more. Uh, the PDF does not like to be scrolled. I will say that. Oh, really? No, it does not. <clears throat> yeah, Internal processing error every time you try to. Yeah. Really? I'm not getting that. I'm going to. Uh, I'm just going to reopen it. Technical difficulties. Uh, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, we are on there page like 70 ish. Uh, yeah, 70 or 68. Oh, I just got right to it. Okay, so principles. Nice. You are also playing the game. You should have fun too. You're not the only one responsible for it, which I think, yeah. again, in some other games, <laughs> like you are. <laughs> People sit around waiting for you to create the situation and feed you everything, you know? Um, be a fan of the players. They're badass solar-fueled mechs and should feel like it. Challenge them, but don't crush them. 
Uh, keep it quick. Combat is supposed to be frenetic. And oh, I love this part. If a player is taking too long on their turn, feel free to show your hand and have an enemy start acting. Have enemies begin to reposition themselves or have the sounds of incoming reinforcements echo off the walls. Like yeah. you're not supposed to sit and think all day. Like when it's your turn, just fucking do something. Like it's supposed to be fast enough. It won't matter. <laughs> you shouldn't be, you shouldn't have that situation where you're waiting 30 minutes between turns in this basically just like do something and go. Yeah. Spread the responsibility. You are not solely responsible for knowing the rules. They need to know their own abilities. It's a movie, not a simulation. Enemy characters should act and react in combat in a reasonable way. Have them panic and retreat, but also rally and fight harder. Um, find the story without context. The sparks are just doing one mission after another. Ask them why they do it or what they care about. Again, part of investment when you're creating the situation. Absolutely. Um, and the, the world is strange. While Nova might be considered sci-fi, there are no rules for what exists in the dusk. Surprise the players um, and what they find and make the return to the sun charts a welcome respite from the horrors beyond. Um, this is kind of a an interesting section at the end. Um, it talks about like what it is as an RPG. So Nova yeah. is a combat focused RPG. The G is there in playing out fights, but often the RP is cast aside in these sort of games. Include role-playing elements and opportunities in your session to help ground the fighting in a context that gives it meaning. Um, if you're interested in RP opportunities in your session, continue the following. Building and populating the city as a central hub. Um, after each mission, reflect on the outcome as a group, which I think is written in the rules. Yes, um, it is. There's a pilot inside the exosuit. Let the pilots breathe. What do they do between missions to blow off steam? Um, these are the opportunities for those like Firefly episodes where they land on the planet and really like get to interact and stuff. Yeah. So like having if you do this a bunch in play, mm -hmm. having the players come ready for, you know, badass combat and then giving them like an RP session where maybe like the exosuits need like a tech upgrade or like like there's a new something or like the fuel's low and then having them have to actually play out as pilots could be an interesting way to like break it up and give them this investment Definitely. and then next time come back to their suits which is cool um basically a bunch of different stuff there and then there's this whole section on setting which you get a lot um in the beginning so i'm not sure like this is really important information and i don't know where else you would put it but it's kind of interesting that you get all of this lore first of all you know me i'm a big lore boy when i hit this i was like you're spot for this, but i but i love it <laughs> um but basically you get like 10 pages of lore nova takes place in an alternate timeline of earth where one day the sun in the sky mysteriously mysteriously exploded make nova your own um here you'll find as close to a canonical history of nova as the records can find um, and I'm not going to read through the entire thing. We've already talked yeah. about it a lot. The sun explodes. And before that, also, stuff hey, existed. you should go buy this book. Like, that, if yeah, you're, if exactly. You're really, at this point, if you're that interested and you want us to read through the lore, you just go get the book, you know? Yeah. Uh, it basically <sighs> just talks about the shards. It talks about the dusk. It talks about the lunar cults. Oh, two things I really like here at the end. The character sheet. When I first saw the character sheet, I was like, damn, this character sheet looks cool, but that's going to be a pain in the dick to write on because it's still all dark yeah right but then but then you scroll to the well then you get a quick quick reference page which you know we love us some quick reference page one quick reference page all the rules that you need boom right there also dark though but then you get to a black and white obviously print friendly character sheet and quick reference page right at the end yes super thoughtful really well done i also love that the pdf has the cover both front and back, there are PDFs you get that don't put the cover in the front and the back. I really enjoy that. Um, but yeah, the character sheet, yeah, 
The character sheet is really well done. Um, I'm actually going to go to the cool looking one uh, on the dark pages. So this, your spark file, you write down your call sign, your spark class, your pilot name, your pronouns, um, your sun, moon, and shade scores go right in the middle. There's actually, so there's only a certain number of attributes you can have. So it's this kind of like half circle and you can just mark off segments for your health and fuel. Um, and then you have these persistent mod locations, persistent mod one and two, um, persistent mod three and four. Um, and then you have the same thing with your power mods or your powers uh, there at the bottom. And then you have all your persistent, wait a minute. Oh yeah, because you put the powers in later. So you can put all of the mods that you unlock right on the sheet and then you write down all the powers that you have in your installed mods. Um, and then your power mods go at the bottom. So basically everything you need, you can just write down, write super down. referenceable. It all works like, really well. And a character sheet's super simple because realistically, all you need to know outside of like your name and shit like that is your sun, moon, shade, and health and, yeah. and your flare. That's all you need. Um, but this does give you a little bit of, 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 you know, you can write down your passive and supernova. Um, and that's, that's and Nova. That's, that's Nova. You know, we, we just that's went Nova. through all of it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I really enjoy this one. This is another one. You know, I know we, we pretty much only review games that we like already. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, but we also don't want to, we don't like reading shitty games. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we can talk real quick about, I'm going to get rid of this because it's fucking my shit up. So before we get to the end, um, we still have a little bit of time. So again, the Lumen system is what this is based on, which is a, which is the right. system created by Spencer Campbell. You can go find the, um, Lumen SRD for free on their on itch it. page. Yeah. And it's great because again, you know, we love mm. us some, some, um, and, oh, it's hyperlinked. Um, you know, we love us some third-party license. We give a lot of value to that. The fact that there's a straight up SRD that yeah. you can use too, that makes it simple. Is so nice. Um, like what is Lumen? What do you need? You know, I what about the dice? Core mechanics. The loop. Like it has, it has everything like for this system yeah. or what you're doing, like here's how the loop works. Like, yeah, it's a, it's really good. So yeah, it's, it's good. And not only that too, with Nova, you also get a Nova creator kit. So what is this? This is Nova Creator Kit, a guide for creating your own content for the Nova RPG. Inside, you'll find advice on making new sparks, building new rules for the game, and just generally anything I can think of that might be helpful to you. How fucking cool is this? Very cool. It's Super like cool. seven like spread pages, so it's about 14 pages of basically just hit, like Spencer's tips and tricks on how to make it your own and make content for it, which is really, really cool. And that all comes with Nova. Like when you and we'll we'll talk about that in the value section. But you get a decent amount of stuff in the downloads, um, and the fact that you get the Lumen um, SRD and Creator Kit it is great. Yeah. Um, do you want to uh, head over to the? Uh, let's the, let's uh, do the it, number? bro. Let's rate it. Let's give it some ratings. Boom, Nova. All right. So. No. Uh, Real quick rundown, like we always do. Um, it is a total score out of 50. There are five sections that we give a total of 10 points out of or potential for. The first is art and style. That is both the um, the art that's used, which is basically kind of how good the art is, um, how much art there is, how much it's utilized, and then the style is, is that art consistent throughout the book? Right. Um, an art book like Merkborg is like the peak because we're, we're art boys here. Um, again, don't forget, this is all subjective bullshit based on our terrible opinions. Yeah, so if you don't agree with this, that's fine. And yeah. like, 
really the most important yeah. part of the show is that it was we were reading through it was this a game that like sparked your interest in playing because it's way more important yeah. than the numerical values that we give at the end because we don't know shit yeah. about dick bro we don't know shit about dick so uh, <laughs> layout and function is the second thing um and that is how well the book is um laid out as in the readability the page function oh, is function is like um pdfs uh or is hyperlinks bookmarks things like that things that make the actual like either the book itself function as an easier to read thing or like the actual indexes game yeah or uh no layout and function is specifically how the book is functioned through well no i mean function um, like well we had for lancer they have an app that we added to their functions for. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, if you well, because dinner, it was almost needed it was almost needed there, there right, were right, tools right, right. to make like the functionality right better. right right, yeah. right you're right you're 100 right with that um rule set and crunch is basically um if it's an original rule set how do we like it um if it uses an existing rule set how well does it adapt it and crunch is is it the appropriate amount of rules for the system? Like if it says rules yeah. light, is it rules light? Or is it like, you know, 600 pages of, of just crunchy bullshit? Um, originality is uh, is a very broad one because it could be originality in the rules, could be originality in the lore, could be originality in just the themes of the game, things like that. That one's a little bit more broad. And value, used to be called price, now it's value, is basically your bang for your buck. What all do you get for the money that you spend? Um, we always think this one's important because being able to afford the game, um, I yeah. can't play your game if I can't afford it. And if I have to pay $50 for a book and then another $30 for a yeah. PDF, and then you have to have everything else, I can't play your game, you know? And, and, and what, what all extra resources can, are there like third party licenses, apps, websites, you know, different things like that. What, how much value, like if I want to play this game, how much access do I have for how much money I have to spend for it basically. So Hell going yeah. into art and style. So, um, so listen, if there's no art in this book and it's just so I lack such style, you know, there's nothing in here. <laughs> yeah. This is a really beautiful book, you know, yeah. it yeah. has as a, book, has a it's good beautiful. amount of art. Um, and like the, yeah, the, the covers are amazing, but like the interior is great. They have three colors that, that totally fit thematically that they use all the way through. There is, you know, there's art on most pages. It's usually character art, but there is character art on most pages. You know, I think this is a really <laughs> solid, solid, um, oh, and the city art. I forgot about that art of the city. That looks really cool. There's the one the city page. Book? So, I mean, I think realistically, there's only one piece of non-character art, and oh, that's that, that city page. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the early, some of the early ones are silhouettes of later pieces. Even though saying that, until you get to the GM section, it is hard to flip through a spread that doesn't have a piece of art. And, yes. gosh, is the artist listed in here? I mean, of course they are. Um, covered interior, Eddie York. Uh like big thumbs up these yeah, characters yeah. oh my gosh the the character art is absolutely stunning like the infernal is just is just crazy and the grim i mean yeah so uh i i mean what what can you say i think the art's really well done i think they yeah. use i think there's no spaces that that i'm like here's a big empty spot um uh 
What are your thoughts? So here's um, the thing. So this we also have to reference it. So we know it's not a ten. It's not Mark Borg because yeah. the other thing we talk about with the art is basically with Mark Borg, the art is part of the game almost, or like part of the rules. There's rules within the art sometimes and things like that. Um, so it's not a it's it's not a ten. Um, and if we look at no. things that have nines, again, those it's are closer not, to art nine. books. This is almost just like character art within the book that's really really well done, but it's also a, a kind of character driven book. What are your thoughts? I think I, I don't know. I'm I'm on the verge of like I'm seven at least a seven for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't disagree with that. I don't know if there's enough non-character art to bump it to an eight. You know. Um, if so there were for more reference, cityscapes, or if there were more like the like the other areas, like the crimson or whatever, like I would be inclined to bump it up. Go ahead. What's our reference? So Into the Odd has an 8. Casketland has an 8. But Casketland was packed full of art. Um, Warpland and um, Orbital, Orbital Blues got a 9. And that's way more right. art. Yeah. So things that got a 7. Troika, full okay. of art, but, you know, not an art book. Um, Red Giant. I, I put this right around Red Giant. I would put this at the exact same fucking level as Red Giant. If we seven, get Red Giant 7, then this is 100% a 7. Yep, this reminds me very much of like the amount of art that was in Red Giant and yes. the style of art it was, which, was, which yeah. was character art, monster art, and that's about where you're and at. Damon, I um, love Red Giant. Um. <laughs> Red Giant's good. It's a great game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, layout and function. So again, I always have to say, Troika, best, best laid out Troika and is, functioned. Yes. Best, period. Um, because... I mean, it was pretty good, but as far as um, where I feel like when you get towards Troika, you're talking about um, hyperlinks, which this does have, table of contents, which this does have, um, no bookmarks. Um, it does not, and there are a bunch of places that say page this that aren't linked to that page. Right. Um, and again, like Troika, every fucking page will take you back to the beginning of the chapter or the beginning of the thing. It does have a quick reference, which is super important. It has an index, which is super important, and the index is hyperlinked. Um, I think that's above and beyond, like, nothing, which is a five. Yes. Um, so, I mean... I, like, I am, uh, enjoy the, like, layout of this book so much, and just the way it's so easy to read. Um, I think, for me, for layout for this one, it, it, this one's an eight, you know? Yeah, so I was thinking, just, just from a technical standpoint, with the, yeah. with the PDFs and all the rest of that, or with the PDF, I was the seven... And then when you actually look at the layout, like you just said, readability yes. of the pages, yeah. bumps it up to an eight for me too. Yeah. yeah. And I think we, we talk about readability a lot. And, and I love the dense games that we don't always cover and that sometimes we do. But man, they are fucking hard to read um, because it's a lot Listen, of words. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot. And like I said, I have to read. I, I can't read the spreads. I need to read the pages yeah, because I need to be able to focus on that. I can't read spreads it. on that one, but it's my ADHD. So, uh, yeah. Too but I, I, I love being able to just take in the knowledge that's on the take, taking the words that are on the page kind of like as a whole on top yes. of like not having just like, like Lancer, for example. I don't think we give a great score to this because it's just, I mean, and it's also oh, a really long God, book, so but it's just much. black and white text that's just like columns and columns. It's hard to read that. Yeah. Um, all right. Rule set and crunch. So, I mean, we're basically critiquing at this point the illuminated by lumen system because that is what this is. And how it uses that system. 
Yes, and the crunch based on it. So first of all, crunch, I mean, it's like it's like nothing. I mean, the rules oh, yeah. are no, it's, it's amazing. Like, it's it's so clean. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's super rules light. This, this, um, this game achieves exactly what it's trying to achieve with that rule set. I think it is a great use of the Lumen rule set. Um, yeah, I, I very much enjoy it. Now, the question then at that point is, how do you feel about the Lumen rule set? Like, it's 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 definitely clean, like super yes. clean. But thoughts on the dice pool, like you said, with like, so so let's let's actually do this. Let's say three D sixes um, and I can actually. Uh, is there a way that I can actually just like list the total? So um, I'm going to I'm going to roll three D sixes. How many times do you think? Ten times. Ten times. OK, I'm going to roll three D sixes ten times. Can you make a, a, a like a mark for fail for like? Gotcha. Okay, so first one, uh, I got a five. Kay. Second one, ooh four. Okay. Uh, ooh three. Is that still partial or is that below partial? Uh, I think one and two is the fail. Three and four is okay. the partial success. Gotcha. So that's a partial success. So that's three. Uh, I got a five. Uh, I got a six. I got a five. I got a six and a five. I got a six. I got a five. I got two fives. And I got a six and a five. Okay. Is that 10? Uh, yes, it is 10. Okay, so how many complete successes and 10 rolls with three dice? Eight. Eight out of 10. Yes. Yeah. I So I like the Did system you know for... You failed? None. Not you one time. Once. You get two Not partial successes. Yeah, two partial successes. I, so listen, for a game like Novo, where the point is to just be badass, I really, really like that. Yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. The point is to be super badass. Like, I don't know that yeah. I really care that you pass a lot. Like, for like this game is not about being grueling. It's about like being super being a badass. Yeah, I'm really curious. So I've, 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 I need to read deeper in in Extremis, which is a game of basically like, um, have you ever read? Uh, gosh, what is? Um, the name of the first book, the ninth. It's not Gideon the ninth. Um, basically, it's like space lesbian necromancers. Really good book. Um, good. Uh, it's it's based on that basically. It uses right. Lumen system, and I'd be curious to see someone use the Lumen system in um, a game that's not this. Yeah, that's not, and how they would adapt that. So I I did I did buy Hedge. I'm gonna read deeper in Hedge too. Hedge is a really cool like you're like forest wardens fighting like evil fake kind of situation and i'd be curious to know um if there's anything that like kind of pulls that uh pass value down a little bit yeah because you know i love me a 2d6 because i love the the middle i love the sure you can but but this kind of feels like a yes and not a yes but kind of game yeah um i'm not saying i don't like it i'm just like just just talking and and just kind of working through it um I like it, it overall. It. No, fuck you. Yeah, it's um, fine. 
no i i like it a lot it's just i do i do feel like there's a lot of successes um and that would be my only critique that'd be my only critique is that it 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 doesn't i like the i like the 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 you know um but but again that's my only critique of it what are your thoughts on the rule set and crunch and and not only just the lumen system then but also the sparks and Um, all the rest of it that for what it is i'm into it um i don't think that every game i would play i'd play with this but if it, i want to have i think this achieves a superhero feel like yeah. you are the heroes of this story you are almost untouchable you cannot die and you're very powerful you know i i think for this one i might have to play it because while we sit here and roll dice rollers on our computer remember that a computer can never really like generate a true random number right you know um so when we play, it might feel a little different. We might fail more, and we probably will because sitting at a table, you usually do. Well, um, and you don't have three in every attribute either. You don't. Yeah, exactly. Like you start you with like four points, period. So you're going to get more fails, period. Yes. And again, I know um, I said we're kind of judging Lumen too, but not – so this is for Nova though, and we're not judging the Lumen SRD. You know it uses the system great. This is exactly I couldn't, I couldn't think of a better game and system – I it, it's – I think the game and system are perfectly designed for each other. They're, like they're, they're, they're a perfect marriage. So yes. for the rule set and crunch for this game, I what are your thoughts? Oh, it's it's a uh, no. It's hard to tell without actually playing it, but it's it's a, at least an eight. You know, yeah, my my I thought was an eight too. So well, you know, maybe if I play yeah. this and I think differently, we might bump it up or down. Um, but mm. I think I think an eight is a very acceptable position for it. You know, yeah. for for reference uh orbital blues okay uh mothership zero edition and red giant are all eights as well okay i'm good with that that's good company because again we don't have a 10 so an eight in rule set is basically a nine and well i don't know if we'll have a 10 in rule set it's gonna be really hard to. yeah i don't think we ever will like it would yeah and uh, again since it's such a personal preference for rules like it'd be hard um originality in all things thoughts Man, I really like this game, bro. It's, I mean, I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, I'm trying to think of what uses like an exploded sun type of like end of the world. I know like the exploded sun is kind of a theme, but not necessarily using the sun's shards as fuel. Fuel for um, exosuits, for exosuits, like, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, going out into the dark. Like it's basically sci-fi, quasi horror, post-apocalyptic. I dig what it. A, like, what has our highest originality scores? Do you have pulled up? Oh, uh, I think Necronautilus is a 10. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So outside of that, Merkhorn, just, yeah, just, yeah, you're not going to beat Necronautilus. Like, it's, 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 it's our peak game. Um, I'm trying to find one. Oh, Kingdoms has a nine. But I mean, we, when we talked about the micro and macro generational play of Kingdoms, I mean, that was, that was crazy. Yeah. That's again, for reference, again, for reference, Orbital Blues is an eight. Mothership is an eight. Arc was an eight. I think this is an eight as well. In the Odd is an eight. Warplane is an eight. I mean, th- I feel like it's right around there. Yeah. You know? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think it quite taps. I mean, Kingdoms is, is, Kingdoms is, is pretty was far a, up there. Kingdoms was an experience. And, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, and we don't, we don't have a 10 in a re- No, the only 10 is Necronalis, which again. Yeah. Good like, luck. <laughs> it's that for a reason. I'm super happy with an eight on this too. I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah, I think so. Um, value. Okay. So, uh, okay. So, right. So if I want the hardcover book, uh-huh. it is $40 us. Mm-hmm. 
um, which is kind of a lot. Um, if I want just the PDF off of itch, it's $20, which is only a little bit more than what we've deemed is like a $15 is the like average PDF price. I think you and I just like decided for some of the like more middle, middle end games, not high end because it's not D and D or whatever or Pathfinder, but like, you know, a lot of PDFs we can get for five bucks, which is super cheap, but 15 is acceptable. So 20 is a little bit more. You do get the SRD. You do get the, how to build thing. Um, I, I don't know of a lot of third-party content for this. Do you? I know for, a for lot of Nova. Not Nova specifically, just Lumen. Um, I mean, I'm sure if we go to the itch page, there's a ton of third-party content um, underneath it. Um, you do also, when you get the PDF, because you get the PDF when you get the hardcover, right? Yeah, I believe so. So you get the you get both the regular and print friendly character sheet and quick reference, um, and you get the and then you get the pages and spread. So that's what all comes with the PDF, and then you can also get the creator kit and then the Lumen SRD too. Um, so yeah, I think we talked about was it was it thirty five for a hardback or was it thirty five for like a softback plus PDF was our kind of industry standard I don't that we saw. What we said. I mean, I, I don't think forty is not terrible. No, it's not terrible at all, especially no. like coming from like a smaller batch and it's hardback. Um, it is hardback. So, too. so I would say baseline cost if you just got the book at cost with the PDF, I would put it at like a like a four to five. Because five is average, and I think this is just a touch more expensive. Um, does it have a full adventure included? It does not. It has an example mission, but the way that the missions are are created in here, um, I would just roll up and have, run. It does have so many tools to build the mission, so it's almost it's like so. It's yeah. I wouldn't it, even. It, I would almost not want one. Yeah, yeah, why would you? I mean, it's kind of one of the few books. It's like, why the hell would I need a pre-built mission? Because it's just there's so many tools. Like it would just yeah. take me, it would take me twenty minutes to roll a whole adventure up and write yeah, it. Yeah, barely, you know? if that, if barely, that. Yeah. Um. So if we say like four to five for just like just pure baseline cost of the hardcover book, which again, when it's soft cover, will be less expensive. I can only assume. Um. And the PDF, it's Usually it's it's was. a it's a smidge more expensive than industry standard. But then throw in the Lumen SRD, right. throw in the Creator Kit um throw in uh like on top of just the standard pdf the quick reference pages the character sheets all that kind of stuff i think it definitely starts bumping it up I more in I'm, the I'm value seven for this one seven is exactly what i was thinking cool yeah yeah yep feeling a light to decent seven transition sorry it's a needle drop for those of you who uh be fucking with that anthony fantano shit you know I have no idea the words that you're talking about. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a music critic. I don't always agree with him because um, he's wrong a lot, but he's very famous. I'm sure people. Guy. I'm sure people can say that about us a bunch. Oh no, we're always right. wrong. <laughs> yeah, every single time. Yeah, we don't Eight know times three plus seven plus seven. I don't even do the math these anymore because even if I tell you, you still do it yourself. So I, just I like, have to. I it's I do it at work too. Someone's like, "Yeah, you're patient in the first of your hard block," and I'm like, "Really? Yep, point two three. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, oh, how yeah. does it feel to not have any fucking clue what I'm talking about? Um, oh, you know what? Thirty eight. Which honestly 
is kind of running to be about our average for like a, yeah. a game we enjoy that isn't just like absolutely like disgustingly stellar you know like necronology or something like that but we we have a bunch of 38s like a bunch of 38s so that puts this directly in the company of forbidden psalm got a 38 12 years got a 38 oh nice um, that's that a good company to be included yeah in, so. orbital blues got a 39 red giant got a 37 um okay so i said 38 a bunch and there's only two other ones but i i think that fits really well into right where that stack is i, I think this too. feels really good towards like um like one point less than orbital blues uh, a little bit more than Red Giant. If you're tuning in for the end of this episode just to get the raving, if you are looking for a game where you can play as essentially overpowered superheroes and save the world incrementally, this is the perfect game for you and your table. Mm -hmm. If you have power gamers that want to do epic stuff and want to feel cool, which like with the state of the world, I totally understand not wanting to do like some heavy dragged out game, like this is the game for you, you know? um it's well written it uses the lumen system really well um and i think we both enjoyed reading through it and fuck the rules are there's so few rules man it's so easy like i you know how to play the game immediately one read through you know but yeah so uh that is nova yeah uh and like you were just saying i'm sorry um Giving this book gives you permission to just say, fuck it, I'm going to do the most cool, badass yeah. stuff I yeah. possibly can. And like I said, it's that's freeing when you're that's not generally your play style. So I really, really, really want to play this once just to be like, yes, yes. I fucking turned totally. into a bunch of fucking bats as an as a sun powered exosuit <laughs> and fucking like fought lunar heretics that exploded. You know what I mean? When I siphoned off their blood energy to fuel my powers like that's just. Oh, oh. And the other thing, too, and I think. Um, we didn't really touch on it when we talked about the rule set and crunch. The those four original sparks. Again, I say original as if those were the first four, but I'm sure they were. That are so well written for those four yeah. that four standard class. Oh, oh. Anyway, that is Nova. We look at it. Eleven oh six. This this was an episode. We were like, yeah, yeah. We good timing on all that. Um, super happy with it. Um, final final thoughts while I drag out this a little bit about Nova. I already gave my final thoughts. Okay, so did I. So uh, <laughs> we love it. Play the game. Spencer Campbell is an amazing um, uh, game designer. Uh, Drifters is really cool. Slayers is great. Um, Light uses the Lumen system too, and it's uh, based on Destiny. So if you like the looter shooter, um, you know, kind of like power gaming. Uh, if you're sick of Destiny 2 and you still want to play a version of Destiny with your friends, then check Light out Light is a good one for you to check out, you know? Yeah, check out Light. And then again, check out the Slayer system too, which yes. Drifters is part of. Like, basically all the stuff that Spencer does, uh, really, really good, fun, well-written, well-designed games. And you can tell in the way that the, the characters are created and the system is done that they spend a lot of time um, on the game design and have been extremely thoughtful about the experience while playing the game, which I think is um, uh, super, super evident uh, yeah. throughout the, especially that GM section. Like you just said, oh, we skipped over that. But like when when I read it, I was just like, generally I would, 
but I feel like he's like there's a lot more than just like this is the standard RPG stuff. It's about like playing the game and really, really giving some tips about this game, not just GMing that I thought was really, really good. Absolutely. So, Spencer Campbell, Gil RPGs, check them out, check everything out, play Nova. It's a really good time. We are actually going to go to something I've hinted at. Haven't really talked to Hunter about it. I have a no special, idea. What, I have no fucking idea what's going on. So we're we going to do a we're going to do a special episode here at the end where I am actually, and this is the first time I'm talking about it, going to be doing an unboxing um, as I make sure my address isn't shown of this big box here. From the Eye Wizard, and anyone who knows who the Eye Wizard cool. is, or any of you sharp eyes out there that saw this the whole time, Damn. this is an Eye Wizard piece. Um, so uh, we are actually going to cut uh, in stream for like two seconds, so I can cut this into two separate vods without having to do it later because I don't feel like it. Um, so if you're with us, stick around. I'm gonna in stream immediately, and restart the stream. It. And then we are going to do this unboxing. So thank you so much for being here. Um, we'll be back in just a moment. And if, yeah, but I want the VODs on Twitch to be two separate VODs, you know? We're also cutting um, all of this as well, so. Yeah, and we're cutting, we're cutting a bunch of this stuff. So um, anyway, thank you so much for being here. Hunter, I'm not saying goodbye because I'll see you in just a second. Uh, we're going to cut this VOD <laughs> and we'll be back in just a moment. See you in a second. <laughs>